Welcome to another episode of Smart Home Stupid People. My name is Madeline Siege. <laughs> and I'm Eris Falmouth. I'm going to be working in the background correcting a couple of things while Maddie takes us into today's topic. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Maddie? Uh, the supernatural disease. Disease? Disease? Disease. Disease. That's how you pronounce it. Yes, uh, last week we already tried it. <laughs> it's obviously something that we shouldn't talk about because also today we have some issues here. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, what are known as ghosts in the shell. This is really messed up. Like all our notes for the show are just gone. Which is bad because I know... We I have... did a lot. <laughs> we did a I, lot. I just saw it like, you know, I was yeah. preparing myself half, half an hour ago. But anyway, Supernatural Disease is an episode that we thought we we want to bring because... It's over here. Of, um... Oh, well, that's interesting. Why is it there but not here? <laughs> I can't read that from here, so... <laughs> I'll figure it out. You keep right. Bring us in, so I'm going to fix okay. this. Yeah, so we, we had, of, uh, I think, one of... That was my my episode, like Medi versus or well, shamanism versus biologist, yeah. where I explained at how I transitioned from being a scientist to you know more and more getting into the world of shamanic practices and having a shamanic worldview, which is that everything has a spirit, everything has is connected, and as a as a shaman or shamanic practitioner, you are able to connect with these spirits in a way that you can, for example, you know, bring healing or or um, induce healing or answer questions or find answers to questions and something like that. Mm -hmm. And that implements that you have to communicate with the spirits. And Eris was just the other day, he read to me the signs of schizophrenia. <laughs> one thing was Yeah, we're going to be going voices. through that today. Yeah, we're going through it a little bit more in detail. But one thing was, you know, hearing voices. <laughs> I said, well, from that regard, I think I'm also schizophrenic. 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 Because, well, not hearing, hearing voices, but one, one of the shamanic experiences is, of course, that you are communicating with spirits, like with things or animals and plants or you know beings that you can't see and you do hear some you kind of you know you it's, it's not even that you really hear voices it's just that you know whatever comes to you it's not your own you know you you feel like oh there, there is some something someone talking to mm -hmm. you and so the question is maybe all of this is not so crazy that it sounds like <laughs> yeah. not a not a not but not a disease but rather the opposite it's actually something that we would be able like everyone would be able to experience if they are open to it and also know what it could be or you know what is it actually that's happening yeah, here yeah. and then it doesn't sound so crazy anymore because if you open up yourself to the possibility that everything is um, has a spirit that we have a soul and everything around us too and that you are able through for example uh, telepathic abilities you can connect well that doesn't sound so so weird anymore that you can hear you know others speaking to you in that way mm -hmm. so today we just want to elaborate a little bit on <laughs> on these topics and also you know where does that come from that mm, supernatural experiences or spiritual experiences are deemed to be you know like a psychological disease or an yeah, issue or really. a disorder <laughs> something like that because I, I also, I, I'm also of the opinion that many of these things that are treated with pills and, and you know, like medication, uh, medication 
is not it's not necessary if you would see it in a different light and if you really would listening to the people who experience these kind of things and you know would say well what is it that that you know what kind of voices are these voices where do they come from what do they say and then from a shamanic point of view try to you know make mm -hmm. sense of it and give give some tools to that person how to handle these kind of things how so to protect themselves from energies and all that. And I think that would be a much better approach than just, you know, to put pills into that person. Well, so let's go through that because I have some really great show notes and I just got them back. Uh, I redid my whole iCloud thing. <laughs> What's that? Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. I redid my whole iCloud thing recently and it's just been with this whole new uh, OS Ventura thing. It's a disaster. Right. So anyway, that's, that's just how it is. I, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't, uh, I don't want to get into the idea of actually complaining about computers and technologies because uh, it's just the way it is. Today, we've just been running into little thing after another. Last week, uh, the show it ended up crashing and burning a few times, and we said, okay, we're going to just push mm -hmm. it over to next week. And here we are today, so uh, we're, we're, let's just hope that the tech gods are on our side for what we're about to do and what we're about to talk about. Um, Freeman Fly, he often says that there are just certain topics that whenever he talks about them, Everything crashes. <laughs> and it's just the way it is, right? And he even goes into detail about the idea of Mercury, Mercury retrograde, that whenever that happens, he just doesn't do a show. It's, <laughs> it's, it's that bad now that like yeah. every time it happens, just something just goes so badly wrong. And he always realizes it's Mercury retrograde after the fact that everything mm. has gone horribly wrong. And he just kind of like, you know, Looks into it now ahead of time as much as he oh, can. So, funny, Mercury, because actually we're already in the topic. <laughs> we are going to be talking about Mercury today yeah. because there are a couple really important things we want to get into. And to kind of outline the way that we're going to structure the show today, um, as Madeline had just previously mentioned, you know, um, does Western medicine label someone as uh, who has supernatural experiences as, uh, you know, crazy, psychotic, and somebody who has a disease, right? Mm. That's kind of the question that we're going to be exploring a little bit today. Um, I have a lot of personal experience I can um, talk about, and any of you guys out there who would like to share, we are live. We are live today on, let's see if uh, this stuff's working. It is. Rockfin Mumble Telegram. Uh, what? Mumble? I know. I eh? Rumble. <laughs> Rumble, we're not on. Uh, sorry. I tried Rumble last week, and I think that that's what crashed our, our, our stream. But nevertheless, we are on Rockfin, Telegram, Twitch, DLive, and in audio version only on Podbean. So for all of you guys out there, even in the Podbean world, feel free to ask questions. And we are live to uh, bring it into the episode, to invite you guys here into our cozy little living room and talk to us about this. Mm. That's all it is. That's all that we're doing today. So... Um, as I mentioned, you know, that 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 first aspect of is it so taboo to have uh, supernatural and spiritual or paranormal experiences that when you do talk about it in a Western um, arena, that it's shunned and it's immediately taboo and it's met mm. with the idea of there must be something wrong mm. with you to the fact that you need to be medicated and dealt with. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to talk about something that's called complex ignorance. I brought this out a few times in the past. Um, and simple ignorance, right? Mm -hmm. The idea of simple ignorance is, uh, it's quite simple. It's, you know, I don't understand Chinese because I just don't have that set of information. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know that, I've never had that type, that type of conditioning. And now when we talk about complex ignorance, it's like, oh, I understand it. I just don't want to look at it, mm. right? And yeah. you see that with a lot of people who, um, you tell them, no, what I'm experiencing is actually real. You know, I, I'm 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 actually able to communicate with the ghost or the the spirit of a specific essence. And they're like, nope, 
I don't even want to acknowledge the fact mm -hmm. that you can do this mm -hmm. because uh, it's a type of ignorance that I'd like to remain in. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. want to see it. I don't want to know. And you know, the other way of looking at it is is not. It's it's more like the belief system is so strong that they don't want to let it bend. Yeah, and so that's a type of ignorance that I I find to be very profound in today's world. Next is. Um, when we're talking about um, medically un unexplained physical symptoms, called MUPS. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's a good one. Eh? Um, this is Did the, you I, came up with it? Or is no, I didn't come up with it. This is real. Here, I'll, uh. I'll, I'll share it. I'll bring it on screen and bring it up. <laughs> yeah, so MUPS is a real thing. MUPS. Yeah, I know. I didn't think it was real either, and then I saw MUPS. So uh, this is medically unexplained <laughs> physical symptoms uh, known as MUPS or MUS. And I just really see a little animal that, you know, doesn't exist and it's like a little MUPS. A you know, mops. It's, it's a yeah, biological right. unexplained uh, animal. And well, <laughs> the idea of medically unexplained physical symptoms is that when people um, have, exactly like as it sounds, people have symptoms mm. and they cannot find the original cause of the symptom. Mm -hmm. Right. Which, I mean, for a lot of the, when we talk about uh, schizophrenia, like Madeline had previously brought up, or various mental diseases, uh, you know, personality associated disorders and so on and so forth, the, the type of uh, the ways that um, physical symptoms can manifest is a lot more than just like, you know what I mean? Like when we're talking about something that's going on in the mind mm -hmm. and and you have physical ailments like rashes and uh, organ failure and so on and so forth. You, you've you talked a lot about this in the past with your last book about stress mm -hmm. on how um, the way that we tend to answer um, to the environment going a little bit crazy um it, it, it's it's actually quite similar amongst all life forms the way that it starts out but at the same time um it can quite it could quite easily become like this big soup of symptoms to the point where it's a cascading domino effect and a lot of the times i find that in in today's western world specifically when we relate it to health that it is not something that that a lot of the medical practitioners want to correlate. Mm. Instead, the medical practitioners just go after the symptoms, right? Regardless mm -hmm. as to what the reason for the symptom uh, is is existing, right? For so this is uh, this kind of goes back into that same idea. The um the big the other big part that we're going to go into today, and we're gonna tr we're gonna try and remain chronological in this because it has uh, a lot of potential. I find um, we're going to talk about the origins of um. Psychriat, my English words are just not there today. They haven't, they haven't fully turned on yet. <laughs> the the origins of a uh, psychiatric um, medication, where it comes from, why it came to be, and how. Um, and I think that this will key us into why a lot in the Western world, the way that we look at disease is the way that it's looked at today, mm -hmm. right? And furthermore, I'm going to go out onto a more um, uh, I don't want to use the word esoteric, but I definitely am going to go out on that ledge today because what I would like to talk about is how when you go and you're indoctrinated specifically in the Western world, you know this, you were in school until you were like 35. Um, there's really only a couple programs that you go through, right? And it seems to be a very similar copy-paste, you know, cookie-cutter system, no matter where you go in the West, in order to condition people to become less than human. Mm -hmm. realistically we talked about this last time and um 
the idea of being less than human, we mentioned this in the last episode. You know, what is the main difference between the shaman and the biologist? Mm-hmm. Really, when we when we looked at it in an in, in an objective point of view, we took it apart and put it on the table. Do you remember what the the big thing was in the end mm. that we looked at? I know I. I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> well, I'll give you no. a hint. It has to do with the fact that uh, with the way that um, a lot of shamanistic traditions are, uh, are, are long building with the spirit of man, mm. right? And the way that somebody becomes, let's say, the shaman of a tribe, mm-hmm. it's with a lot of support of the society around you, meaning that you have to work through your shortcomings and it will be through the acknowledgement of your strengths within the society that you will be able to be brought up to a certain echelon within Mm. that society that you're in in order to be acknowledged as a a spiritual healer or anything because they're just they're not going to go to you just because you whip them (laughs) you know Mm. it doesn't work that way not in the natural world yeah yeah and so the idea and you've seen this too in them in with the the shamanic foundation europe that you're often associated with and that you do a lot of um seminars with and uh, drum circles and so on and so forth you just had one like an hour Mm ago um, there is very little ego and narcissism in there that is, for example, pushing you down. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the medical world, you see this a lot. Madeline has expressed this many, mm-hmm. many times mm-hmm. that um, you have a lot of people that only get to where they go they want to go by pushing a lot of people around them down and it works. It unfortunately yeah, yeah. really does work in the, in the scientific world. You see a lot of egotism and um, narcissism yeah. and a lot of people who in the natural world wouldn't cut it, but instead they've, they live in this system that they that have the ability to push a lot of people down, giving the appearance that they are stronger and better. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think that in the natural world, specifically in the shamanistic world, it's the opposite, mm-hmm. right? You don't get to where you're going until, unless you're truly awesome, until, unless you're actually great, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you can't pretend. You can't really pretend that, exactly, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think that uh, if you were to pretend on, a, on that kind of a level, um, it would come out fairly quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Reality. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. A bigger, another big difference we talked about last week or two weeks ago within the shamanic, uh, the shaman versus biologist is that. The data set that the biologist relies on is fairly incomplete as far as reality is concerned, whereas the the shaman has the ability to gather information mm-hmm. um, on such a profound and and connected level, and a lot of this information yeah. is what we just don't we don't we don't acknowledge it. You know, like the uh, the uh, the discovery of ayahuasca mm-hmm. when they asked the shamans, "How did you figure this out?" They mm-hmm. said, "The plants told me." Mm-hmm. Or, or the spirit that I was talking mm-hmm. to told me. Yeah. And in, in the world of biology, the biologist wouldn't ever put this data down as a formal data set, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Even though when you can see through the eyes of an objective scientist that the shaman who was able to recreate over and over and over again reliable data by talking to spirits and talking to mm-hmm. energies of plants and, you know, spirits or whatnot, that, you know... The, the 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 margin of failure is very small. Yeah. Once you yeah. actually start to put it into a larger pile. Absolutely. And right? I experience that every time when I, you know, do shamanic journey or um, when I have to do with other people, clients, and I can always see the results and it's mm-hmm. working. All right. And so the, the reason why I talk about this is because there's definitely something going on in the Western world. And I want to talk about symbols. I want to talk about the actual symbols that the Western world is specifically in the Western medical world, 
um, I don't want to use the word worship, but the symbols they associate themselves with, it's actually quite disturbing. And, and I'm talking about the caduceus and what some call the rod of Asclepius, uh, which is the staff with a snake around it. And the caduceus is the single staff with two snakes and the wings and sometimes a little orb or ball at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rod of uh, Asclepius is some co- sometimes called the rod of Aaron. We're going to get into that. Um, and, and, and some stuff that it's funny, this has been like, for me, just this rabbit hole. This whole mm-hmm. this whole adventure of this episode today that we're doing, um, as I mentioned last week, we didn't get the opportunity to do it because the the the, the signal to restream just kept cutting out, and uh, unfortunately, restream is a kind of our single source because of our internet connection over here not being the greatest for upload. We can upload to one great stream source, so we have to use a streaming service. We can't put in four different streams in our software, or else it just won't work that well. Mm. Um, so for any of you guys out there, if you're hearing us loud and clear, please send us a little hello, just so we know what's coming <laughs> through. I, I just got word that Twitch might be a little bit buggy today. Oh eh, my that's goodness. the way it, I know. That's the way it is. You know what? At least this one's going to go up in the archive this time. And even if it cuts out, we're just going to continue yeah. and, and, and record it and then upload it passively afterwards. Right. That's the way I, I see it mm-hmm. happening today. So, um, that being said, the idea of the symbols that they worship, I find to be very important, you know, um, in, 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 in like Norse culture and in Icelandic current modern day culture, they talk about the power behind the words and the symbols that they, uh, that are representing them. And it's a big part of their, their, their heritage and their language, obviously their language being such a huge part of their culture. Mm-hmm. They're very proud of it. And then um, the runic writing and the origins of them and the way that they hold a lot of weight. Um, I think that I, I feel the same. I think that symbols are so important, specifically mm-hmm. when you see them everywhere. And it's that same idea as a scientist. You know, what are the odds of every institution worshiping and using the same symbols? I mean, mm-hmm. it can't just be that simple that everybody does it because everybody else does it. Like, is, is it really that, you know? <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, it being that simple. I, I I wish it were. I just really don't think it'd be the case. Yeah, yeah. So let's start from the top. Um, so, no, I lost my spot. There it goes. So let's start from the top. Um, we spoke about medically unexplained physical symptoms. I also like would like to take a second and talk about certain symptoms that come across as um, paranormal or mm-hmm. supernatural. What mm-hmm. would you say off the top of your head? See if it's on the list. Well, the first thing I said, you know, hearing voices or claiming mm-hmm. that you have connection with uh, uh, a spirit spirits, world or um, I've, yeah. Yep. Um, it's funny. So I was, I've spent a lot of time on some forums the other day on, on specifically forums for schizophrenics. And there were a lot of them were talking about um, the similarities in the voices. And this is a big thing that I find uh, is very, very, you know, intriguing. You know, I've, 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 I've had some schizophrenic girlfriends. I've had some schizophrenic friends. I've had friends uh, and girlfriends who have been committed to mental institutions and visited them and seen the way that it operates. And there's one thing you can't do when you're there, and that's talk about the voices. Mm. You know, the the doctors are very, very specific about mm. that. When you go to visit them, they say, don't ask them about their voices, what they're telling them. Don't acknowledge them because I don't. we don't want you to uh, ins- ins- instill that in their mind that it's real. Mm. You know, uh, and we don't want to know what the voices are telling them, because if you do, it's in, in for it's instating the fact that yeah, it's yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the voices is a big thing we're going to talk about today. Um, now, I would say superhuman strength is a mm-hmm. very fascinating one. 
There are stories that uh, go back, you know, hundreds of years of people who are psychotic being chained up in uh, dungeons and basements and ripping the stones out of the foundation mm -hmm. because of how nuts they, like just the strength that they were able mm -hmm. to gather, right? Mm -hmm. I think that humans have this amazing ability to store and recall energy. And I think that the only thing that really comes, that blocks us from being able to use things like superhuman strength is up here in our mind. Right, and I felt that a few times in my life. You know, I've done some um, some work with the with the martial arts I've done. Uh, we called it uh, a passive chi progression, where you would um, use the focus of the mind in order to instill power, and not the focus on the muscles mm -hmm. or the task at hand. Mm -hmm. Right, um, and it works. It really, really does work. So I can at least I can vouch for that and say it does work. And it's and it's and it's a lot more powerful than I think a lot of people. Yeah, want to give it weight. You know, I've been mentioning how I've been doing a lot of uh, um, uh, cold therapy and stuff like that. Now in the hot summer, it's getting more difficult, <laughs> right? But I, I'm doing breathing exercises uh, also at the same time. And now my breath hold is almost five minutes. And to think a couple of min uh, months ago that I would have been able to do that is, is quite something, you know, mm -hmm. just to be able to relax and not need to breathe. It's not that I don't want to breathe. It's I don't need to. And that's something that's very interesting to be able to charge yourself up that way. It's, it's just a conditioning, you yeah. know, like a physical thing. Yeah, and yeah. once you've learned how to do it, it's something I find that you can recall like riding a bicycle over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about mental and physical powers of spiritual nature. Well, that's pretty unspecific. <laughs> well, it is unspecific because it's, it's a big, um, you know, telekinesis. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, the ability clear to... Clairvoyance, is that... Clairvoyance, um, exactly. The ability to... Uh, even... Um, I've met some people who have... Uh, what do you call it when the senses get jumbled up? Jumbled? Uh, mixed up. Oof, I don't know. Synesthesia. Uh, so I've met a couple people who have... I, I wouldn't use the word suffer, but have experienced pretty powerful synesthesia as well. You know, mm. um, Being able to see sound, for mm. example. That's 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 a funky one. I mean, I or being able to see smells, right? Or and I know people who have been able to see energies, mm -hmm. and to, it, it, as as much as like you put your hand on the table, you take it away, and they could tell you where it was and in what shape it was, and uh, that everybody had a different color energy around them. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've I've heard a lot of these stories. How much of it's true and psychosis? I can't say, but I definitely want to talk about it because I just think it's now something that. Is becoming more and more the 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 a, an ongoing theme, you know, this idea of health today. Yeah. What is health, you know, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, physical and mental powers and spiritual powers, like I mentioned, you know, you have uh, like you've developed now kind of a muscle to be able to talk to uh, spirits, mm -hmm. and it's working for you, mm -hmm. right? Um, hearing voices such as intuition, but but I think the big part to focus in on when we're talking about schizophrenic voices, it's often your voice yeah yeah that's a good point it's though. just mm -hmm. as loud as your voice in your head mm -hmm. um but it's not it, it's, it's almost as if you're not the one behind the voice mm -hmm. right and there's something really creepy like i got a couple um uh this okay so i'm gonna start off with there's this this guy i was listening to the other day on jerry on the freeman fly as well and his name is uh, jerry marcinski And he's a, um, a psychotherapist and he has been active for 40 years, I think, like something like that. 
Um, and he worked in prisons. He worked in hospitals, uh, emergency rooms, psych wards, all these kind of things. So he has a very diverse experience specifically when dealing with schizos and schizophrenics and psychotics, mm-hmm. right? And he said that he wanted to find out about the voices. Mm-hmm. So he started asking the patients about them just to really make – because he said there he wasn't able to find – maybe there's something about this now, but he wasn't able to find a real definitive study, like an actual scientific study done on what the voices say and why. Mm-hmm. And and it's really fascinating because if, if you're saying that the issue is that the person is hearing voices, the first thing you want to know is, okay, is it good stuff or bad stuff? Mm-hmm. The problem with schizophrenia is, is that it's often related to bad stuff. So the voices are often um, telling you to do things like kill yourself, you're worthless, um, you know, really bad mm. kind of uh, um, stuff that's, that's just constantly being bombarded. And then you have um, the kind of the, the statements that they make that tend to be often the same. And one is, um, you know, when we're talking about being medicated, don't take the medication is, is often something the voices tell them. Yeah. And it's interesting. He was talking about a specific hospital that he had worked in how um, when they were doing renovations, there was like a, a, a banister, which is like a, a handrail at the side of a long staircase. Mm-hmm. And at the top of it was like a little hole. Ah. Uh. When they took that banister off, the entire thing was full of pills <laughs> because everybody was dumping their medicine. Yeah, yeah. And it was interesting because the idea of, you know, the idea of originally wanting to medicate schizophrenics uh, or psychotics is to make it easier for them to reintegrate into society. Mm-hmm. But the voices themselves that are telling them to kill themselves, it's the same voice telling them not to take the medicine, right? Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, um, Whenever they're being questioned about the voices or about their condition or mm-hmm. their health, mm-hmm. the voice is often telling them, don't fucking tell them anything. Mm. Don't talk to them. Talk to me. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You want answers? You talk to me. You don't talk to them. Oh, yeah. and, uh, on to- and the next one on top of them, which is one of the more creepier th- um, messages that the voices have often said to schizophrenics is um, when, you, when the schizophrenic himself asks who are you to the voice? Because the voice, mm-hmm. the schizophrenic gets the idea and the impression that the voice isn't coming from him anymore. Mm-hmm. It's coming from somewhere else, but it's his voice in his head. And the response, which is often the case, is um, one, the voices will get mad at them for questioning them. And two, it'll often say, we are you. Mm-hmm. So in, in a plural form, we, the voices, are you. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's a bit creepy because it's this is something that's been documented now, specifically at least by this guy, that happens a lot. That's very often. And when you talk about hallucinations, so now we're getting into, like I mentioned before, hallucination is often the term used when we're talking about any type of false sensory input, whether it be seeing something mm-hmm. or hearing something. So voice hallucinations, they call them in the medical industry or something like that. And um, the voice is, in order for it to be a hallucination, you'd assume it to be random. Mm-hmm. But it's so similar across the board. Mm, yeah, yeah. And that's what's very fascinating about it is that the voices are all telling them to do the same thing. And yet it's supposed to be a random occurrence in all of them. So let's go, let's let's back up for a minute and talk about what is um, schizophrenia, what is a, a psychosis, right? I have a document here from the NIH. Um here it comes. It's loading up. Let's share the screen. So schizophrenia is interesting. It says here, schizophrenia 
is a serious mental illness that affects how a person thinks, feels, and behaves. People with schizophrenia may seem as though they have lost touch with reality, which can be distressing for them and for their family and friends. The symptoms of schizophrenia can make it difficult to participate in usual everyday activities, but effective treatments are available. Many people who receive treatment can engage in schoolwork, achieve um, independence, and enjoy personal relationships. And then it goes on to talk about what are the symptoms of schizophrenia, mm. right? It, ta it talks about often diagnoses start between the age of 16 and 30 and so on and so forth, right? Um, and it goes into psychotic symptoms, right? Include changes in the way the, per the person thinks, acts, and experiences the world. People with psychotic symptoms may lose a, a shared sense of reality with others and experience the world in a distorted way. For some people, these symptoms come and go. For others, symptoms become stable over time. Psychotic symptoms include hallucinations, which I mentioned a second ago, is when a person sees, hears, smells, tastes, or feels things that are not actually there. Mm. That's one of the main descriptions of uh, medical hallucination, mm -hmm. right? Delusions. When a person has a strong belief that I just want, I have to laugh at it. Has not has a strong belief that are not true and may seem irrational to others, right? <laughs> and and that's that that same thing. You know, when you so we just had Maddie and I um, a pretty heavy incident where our cat broke her tail, mm. and she's pretty fucked up right now, and uh, she's here around the corner. And one of us has to be with her at all times now. She's uh, she's doing okay a centimeter higher and she probably would be paralyzed, you know, legs down uh, or the, the the back legs down, right? And um, so right now she's recuperating and we believe that what we think happened is she got shocked or maybe ran into an animal like a raccoon or a fox, fell from a height and landed and snapped her tail. And so it's really bad. Um obviously the first doctor we brought them to, uh, they said this, the tail has to be amputated. She'll probably never walk again. Um, she can't go to the toilet. We don't, all these things. She won't, might as well just get a new cat is what mm, they pretty much told kind of, us. Yeah. And then um, I, you know, right, right after that happened, uh, Maddie and I both felt, no, this doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. You know, something here doesn't feel right. And we went to a couple other doctors um, and then Maddie had, uh, asked um, a holistic healer for cats or a, a physiotherapist for cats. Yeah. And then she asked a couple friends and did a shamanic journeying to figure out what the truth is. And the truth came back to her as um, the cat had an accident. So we first wanted to know what happened. Was she attacked or is this really just an accident? Mm -hmm. It's the fact that it was an accident most likely fell. And um, then the... The idea of, okay, well, how is she going to be? Is this something that we're going to have to take into consideration later that she can't properly go to the toilet ever again? Mm -hmm. And then uh, you could explain what what happened. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, the whole time I felt like things will be okay. Although they told me, you know, like that, this is yeah. a bad position or like a bad uh, thing that happened to her. Most of the cats won't be able to ever use the tail again, won't be able to ever go to the toilet again. You know, we have to kind of help her with her bladder and all that. And I still felt like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Like I had a strong, strong feeling that she will be all right again. Yeah. And, and just also, as we start talking about her, she now <laughs> she starts comes open now. hodling her way over to us. <laughs> and I also, when I looked at her and I kind of communicated with her, she said, don't worry, I'll be fine again. You know, it was mm -hmm. like, 
she kind of, you know, said, well, I, I don't know, I felt some, somehow. And then also an ask a friend of mine who did a shamanic journey for her. And she said in the journey, she saw her being happy, but also, you know, kind of falling. So it, it seemed like it was just bad luck, you know. She just kind of missed a step or something. And, and it she... actually happens quite often that cats break their tail. Unfortunately, hers got broken pretty high up, like yeah. right below the spinal cord. Yeah. And that was the big issue is, is that how much nerve damage is going to affect yeah. th the way that she walks or the way that she can even sense going to the bathroom. Yeah. So, but already the next day we saw, you know, she's she's getting better, like she can walk and, and she's happy also taking care of her kittens and all that. And we help her as much as we can. And today I had another appointment with an um, animal communicator. I like doing that, you know, although I'm communicating myself with her. Since I'm very close, you know, to her, sometimes it's just like, is it really, you know, do I really receive that or is yeah. that what I wish for? <laughs> yeah. But every time really as a scientist, you know, every time I would, if I would do a statistic on it, it's a hundred percent fit that what I experienced, that I had sensed was the same that the the, the animal communicator sensed, sensed too. Well. And I didn't say anything before that. Yeah. So in each in each occasion, and also on this occasion, she says, yeah, that was an accident. She fell and she was really surprised, uh, Fiona, our cat, because that was something she used to do a lot. You know, mm -hmm. that she knows these spots, but somehow she got stuck and then she just felt happens, yeah. that something was wrong with her tail and she had a, like bad, bad pain. And then the, the first... Um, couple minutes it was not so bad with her legs so she was still moving but then she felt that something was wrong with mm -hmm. her legs too and she kind of tried to come home but also they um, she said that she is 100% convinced that she will be recover fully yeah. so and that's that's what we you know what we can feel um, every day said, it's getting better she's actually now yeah. sensing that she has to go to the toilet again so it's been yeah. four days now or three days and she's going out to the toilet area first <laughs> and it's not all quite coming out the way it should but she hangs out around there and yeah. she sits down and she feels like it's about to, then she goes. And it's one of these things where it's already a good sign that the nerves are trying to heal, yeah. that she's that she's feeling something. The fact that like, yeah, maybe tickling her foot right now, she doesn't react, but when you pinch it, she does. So uh, there's definitely sensation there, which means that a good deal of it will come back. Mm. It's still very swollen, so we have to wait for the swelling to go down. Yeah, but even I said, you know, I was shocked at the beginning um, just see her and find her like that and she couldn't move but yeah. at the same time I thought things will be all right and then also as a as another confirmation for me you know if if that will be all right then I can again be mm -hmm. assured that what I experience is real you know that yeah. although everyone else around me said well the doctors you know yeah this is a bad you know you, mm, we never know if she will ever be able to go to the toilet again and yeah. all these things and you know you just take her tail off right away and it's like, no, that's not how I experience yeah. it. I'll tell you, from my personal experience, most of the time doctors were wrong in my life, whether yeah. it be about me or the people around yeah. me. Um, yeah, and I've heard a lot of bad stories from doctors being abusive to their patients, to my friends, yeah. um, and so on. So I just I just think, that, like I mentioned before, is that the industry that produces medical doctors today <laughs> tends to be very anti-human at its essence and core. And very narcissistic, you know, very like really seeing themselves as gods that the word of what they have is, you know, if you doubt what they say, then... <laughs> We're going to get... This is a big part about what I want to talk about later when we get into symbols because of the origins of some of these symbols and what they mean mm -hmm. and how it ties into. So let's hold on to that idea because okay. that is a key thing for me wanting to wrap this all up to uh, later on. Um, so let's continue on with... Uh, I, we, I want to talk about the cat story because we're in the middle <laughs> of going through this right now. First where, time that you start the cat story. Yeah, really. I, <laughs> I, but it, but more so, let's go to the the doctor, like the, the, the one like over here in Germany, 
um, veterinarians, they tend to like do siestas. I don't know why. It's it's just a thing they do. Like between <laughs> between 12.30 and 4.30, they close. Mm-hmm. And they just can't, you just, no one's home, right? And you go there and you knock on the door. Some asshole's back there eating lunch, but he's not answering the door. And um, Meanwhile, you have a cat bleeding on your arm. <laughs> or an animal that's really actually seriously dying. And the problem is, is that the you have to bring them into the city to one of two clinics that have huge waiting lines. And it's like, you might as well wait the four hours sometimes, mm. which sometimes is a shit thing. In this case, when she hurt herself, I was really under the impression that she had fallen and her tail broke. Uh, or not her tail, but mm-hmm. she, she hit the, maybe her hip broke or something like that. Um, and... So we decided to go to another veterinarian that opens up again at three, mm-hmm. you know, so they're a siesta early, a little early, a little smaller. Yeah. And um, we'd never been there before. And I'm very skeptical when it, cause we've, we've taken them to a couple of them around here because they tend to get hurt once in a while. Um, whether it be stepping on glass or they walked onto a street that had just been newly um, asphalted and they had black tar all over their feet. Um, you know, these kind of things happen. And so it's always good to have someone with that expertise of how to clean the feet and cut the hair out between the toes, the tools to do that, you know, try doing that to your cat that doesn't want it. It's, it's, it's not fun. <laughs> nope. Um, and so we decided to go to a veterinarian that we'd never been to before. And she was young. She was, you know, she was still in her apprenticeship phase and, and she gave us some information, but she immediately jumped into let's mm. kill the cat. You know, like that was that was that was the way we felt about kind that, of yeah, right? like really not really giving us any any clear yeah. the cat and, yeah, and then she missed out a very important aspect on her bladder that um, the bladder yeah. was almost full, and you know she didn't say us uh, told us that we have to uh, manually empty the bladder, otherwise the thing will just like you know burst burst yeah. or it'll just yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so she was uh, she was pretty constipated and backed up and she couldn't uh, pee either because the bladder, uh, the muscles and the nerves there had been, you know, damaged, damaged or shocked. Um, and it's kind of like that thing. Sometimes people get scared so bad they have to pee. Mm. In this case, it's the opposite. They get, they, they get hurt so bad that they cannot. Yeah. And um, so what we have to do now is we have to lay her down and we have to push, uh, we have to find the bladder and push out with our hands and it just... Goes out like that. I know. It's uh, it's disturbing, but that's the way it is. And um, so we have actually our main veterinarian who comes only to us at home. Mm -hmm. And she's really cool. And she spends time with us and she explains about a lot of the stuff. And she's the last person to also ever want to do anything with antibiotics or um, cortisol or anything like that. So she'll she'll never touch that kind of stuff unless really life or death. Mm -hmm. Which is the way that Maddie and I see a lot of this stuff Mm too. You know, they're... Madeline has mentioned in the past that the animal bodies and the human body, it's mm-hmm. like an amazing piece of technology that we look at as a piece of meat. Yeah, right? it's true. Yeah. So anyway, let's keep going. So uh, hallucinations, delusions was like I said, it was the funny one. And so like, sorry, last little thing to talk about with the cats is that <laughs> if we went back to that same veterinarian and said, hey, mm. um, we think you're wrong because... Mm. We did some spiritual, uh, you know, <laughs> communication, and uh, we talked to the spirit of the cat, and we had someone else who did it as yeah, well, yeah. and we also have uh, a, um, a, ho- a holistic uh, uh, rehabilitation for Cat Lady, and, uh, and you know, like we, yeah. we consulted a couple. We did other all people. the woo woo stuff. Yeah, we did all the stuff, and we we just think that you're wrong. I I'd, I'd love to see, you know, <laughs> right? I, I, what I'm going to do is actually, once the cat is better, I'm going to go back and present that to them and say, hey, you gave us shit information. You guys mm. really should need to clean up your act yeah, because yeah. Um, it, it, it's this it's not good. No. Um, 
So uh, that was the idea, is when a person has strong beliefs that are not true and may seem irrational to others. It, it may seem irrational to the veterinarian when you go in there and say, hey, I have a lot of experience uh, you know, with uh, talking to spirits of animals. And uh, this cat will be fine. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we're not going to amputate and uh, she'll be able to go to the toilet again by herself mm -hmm. and she'll be able to walk. Right. So it's it's like mm -hmm. crazy, but it's it, it's it's in this case true. And I'm a, I'm a very optimistic uh, uh, perspective now because of actually the experience that Madeline has yeah. gained by doing this stuff in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, uh, for example, individuals experiencing delusions may believe that other people on the radio and television are sending them special messages targeted only to them. Yeah, okay. So that's a, that's that paranoid delusional kind of idea. That's a bit of a different mm -hmm. ballgame, but uh, nevertheless. Thought disorder. When a person um, has ways of thinking that are unusual or illogical. What, is, what, a, what does know? that mean? So <laughs> really? I found um, a, a place in Germany called the Caduceus Center. We're going to get into that. And um, this is a clinic where they actually rehabilitate children. It, it's like something out of a, a out of a grim brother's grim horrible fairy tale, like a nightmare tale. And um, it said right on the top of their website that uh, we help rehabilitate children who are acting out in an unwanted way. Mm -hmm. and, and, and like translating loosely from German to English. Mm -hmm. But the, the key language was the fact that there's something wrong with the child because he's doing something that you don't want. Mm -hmm. Not because he's doing something stupid or dangerous mm -hmm. or, or whatever. It's because it's something that you don't want. And that, so this is the idea of, um, you know, unusual or illogical. Well, look, I'm sure the way that we act is very unusual and illogical to an ant. In an anthill. <laughs> but are we going to sit there and try to explain ourselves to them? No. Mm -hmm. We're just going to keep going and we might step on a few, on, uh, unfortunately, on the way out, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's how I feel about a lot of people, too. I think that a lot of people don't want and, and don't have the mental capacity, or at least they haven't opened themselves up to be able to understand what other people are talking about, right? Mm -hmm. There, A lot of people I've met are very narrow in their world, and it's mostly because of their own insecurities and their own um, shortcomings mm -hmm. of, of, as I mentioned, with complex ignorance of not wanting to look at certain aspects of the world because for whatever reason, they've deemed it as uh, bad. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, no go. Um, and so the, the fourth big one is movement disorder. When a person exhibits ab abnormal body movements, people with movement disorders may repeat certain motions over and over. I mean, uh, that's kind of like, I think they're what they're talking about there are people who, you know, like turn doorknobs three times before they open the door and that kind of stuff. Um, nevertheless, and then it goes into negative symptoms. Negative symptoms may include loss of uh, include loss of motivation, loss of interest, or enjoyment in daily activities, withdrawal from social life, difficulty showing emotions, and difficulty functioning normally. Negative symptoms include having trouble planning and sticking with activities, such as grocery shopping, <laughs> having trouble anticipating and feeling pleasure in everyday life, Talking in a dull voice, showing limited facial expressions. That, that's that's mm -hmm. that's a funny one, right? Because uh, I, I I know professors and teachers and and, and, and medical <laughs> doctors that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that definitely have that, true, right? Um, like the the lady at the vet the other day, she was like, "Yeah, we think your cat is just, you know, we're gonna cut out the tail and you know, yeah, you can she say also, goodbye." She, yeah. there, there was no like 
There yeah. wasn't a lot of she empathy or sympathy or anything. Even introduced herself. Like, yeah, we don't you know, even know her name. Like, <laughs> she just started telling us what to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, um, it was weird. She, I think the first thing she asked us, because we said the cat is um, breastfeeding right now, um, so no, uh, no injections. Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing she's like, was it wanted or unwanted? I'm like, what? <laughs> who who asks a question? What like, relevance has what, that to her? Health? Like, I mean, what wanted or unwanted? I like, I didn't even. I, I was at the point where I'm like, there's no answer I can give that's going to make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um. So with, uh, but the first thing in my mind is like, unwanted or wanted by the cat or by us? <laughs> does it matter? Right? Yeah, it doesn't like, matter. I was, like, it was about her health in that moment, right? But unfucking real. So, yeah. uh, like, yeah, really, like, it's like you know. Anyway, um. Avoiding social interaction or interacting in social awkward ways. <laughs> That's like half the people where we live no, actually really. right now. Uh, Brandenburg people are socially very awkward. Um, having very low energy and spending a lot of time in passive activities. In extreme cases, a person might stop moving or talking for a while in such rare occasions, uh, conditions called catatonia, which is what people just kind of like space out, you know, like... Uh, right? I was, uh, you know, for a silent treatment a week in a... Um, in a zen cloister is that also a zen um not that? a cloister it's a oh what's the word for cloister a monastery yeah yeah was that also part of it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was right. not talking. Well, so again it, what, what the reason why i say this is i want to now go through what uh jared mazinski had talked about you know the history mm-hmm. of treating mental illnesses mm-hmm. and and it's this is some scary shit like for those of you guys out there who have ever had to deal with uh doctors because of your mental health i think this is important and i think it's important because anytime that you are about to if you're someone who's considering taking medication for mental health and the doctor is telling you to do and what mm-hmm. to do and so on and so forth. I think it's very important to research the origins of their industry and their field and to see how it's progressed to become what it is today. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's scary. It, it's, it's one of the most frightening things I think, um, out there. Um, and I'll tell so I'll, I'll get into details now about why it's, um, let's start from the beginning. All right. So first off, uh, schizophrenic is disease. um, and it's often, uh, it, it, sorry, schizophrenic is a mental health condition that causes, that can cause psychosis is the way they like to put it together, mm-hmm. right? Um, and unfortunately, as I mentioned before, a lot of the doctors today are very interested in suppressing symptoms, right? So if you're exerting a symptom of a rash, they want to get rid of the rash. They don't want to mm-hmm. know where it came mm-hmm. from if it's mm-hmm. not an easy answer. They'll just give you some cream and tell you the rash mm-hmm. is gone and now you can be happy again. Um, it's the same thing with the voices, right? That's one of those big symptoms where they try everything they can to make the voices stop in the people. And it's kind of like that idea of, uh, if you have cancer, um, and you, you always think that you want to kill the cancer, right? Well, a bullet to the head will kill the person with the cancer along with it. Mm-hmm. Not always the best solution. Right, mm. but it's it's actually not too far off when we're talking about radio radiation therapy and chemotherapy. You end up killing parts of the True. people that never come back. Yeah, yeah. Right, and and this now comes into that esoteric question of what are you? Are you a, a symbiotic relationship between you and all the bacterium inside you? Are you a mind, body, and soul? Mm. How far does this go? Right, and this is something like we hear stories about people getting um, transplants. Mm-hmm. new organs mm-hmm. and uh, uh, all of a sudden they play the piano because the organ they got it from was somebody who played the piano right yeah, yeah. so what are you 
how much of you is your physical body and how much of you is your spiritual awareness and your connection to the universe you know this is this is a big question and and, and i don't think any industry has a proper answer there are a lot of great theories and speculations and that's what we're doing today is we're speculating mm. but at the same time i don't think that any of us can truly know so uh let's go back to the origin when they started to um encounter well they've always encountered people who were psychotic all throughout history in many different mm -hmm. ways right mm -hmm. but uh, we're, we're talking about now uh the late 1800s so the turn of the 20th century um the best way that they dealt with people who were psychotic and psychotic really means somebody who cannot be integrated into modern society because they're just they're just mental right like mm -hmm. they're they they they're at risk of harming themselves and the people around them. Yeah. And it just, you know, it makes everybody around them feel uneasy. And so they, this typically is like the the gateway for a psychotic person's label, right? And so the first one was to lock them up and beat them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, chain them down with straitjackets and so on and so forth. And there are some strange stories of people, as I mentioned before, chained up, pulling boulders out of walls, uh, you know, ripping out of the straitjackets. This is where a lot of that actually comes from, is that the straitjacket is still something that is used today. Um, and, it, and it was implemented hundreds of years ago, right? Mm -hmm. In order to control people. Um, the big thing to always understand is that doctors have a lot of patients. Same thing as um, uh, um, psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. Psychiatrists usually have hundreds, if not thousands of patients at the same time. Um I'm, I'm a little cold. I'll try to get my, get my, well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting one, so yeah, you can ahead. just get keep, right uh, there. keep talking. Well, um, like right into the and camera. So the, <laughs> yeah, the big goal for a lot of therapists is to just Having make the voices stop. And they do that at any cause, you know, like specifically when you have a hundred people in a facility and there's only one doctor at hand, he can't go to every psychotic and deal with their issues, specifically when they're all out of control, breaking shit, not wanting to... Um, as they say, follow the rules, right? So what they started doing was is um, inducing vomiting. So a, a, a scientific procedure they called puking. And and what they did was is that they would, I can't remember exactly, I, I didn't look up this one, I looked up a couple of the other ones, how they made the people sick. Um, but they would make them so nauseous that they didn't feel like getting up and causing problems, <laughs> right? And then the doctor would come along and help them vomit, and they always felt better after vomiting. <laughs> and the idea is, like I meant, that the voices tend to simmer down in a lot of psychotic people um, under stress. And so what they would do is, like I mentioned, they would try to invoke certain types of stresses or stressors uh, in order to... Um, suppress those 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 uh, those voices in the back of the head it does, doesn't give the human ability anymore to want to actually communicate with uh, with these voices or mm -hmm. to allow these things in so that seems to be an interesting correlation that when the immune system in the body starts to really get stressed out and fucked up the voices tend to either quiet down to mm -hmm. a, a level where they can just pretty much tune them out or stop altogether mm -hmm. So after puking and inducing vomiting, they moved into hot and cold treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, putting them in bathtubs full of ice. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, almost to uh, shock therapy. Yeah, yeah, shock therapy, almost to a level of of uh, of um, hypothermia. And then they would warm them up, and then they would put them in saunas and, and, mm -hmm. and boil them. Really, anything to really get their immune system really triggered to keep those voices down. Mm -hmm. And they found out the more they did this, 
the more docile these people were and the easier they were to work with. Mm -hmm. So it was much easier to keep them off the streets and keep them docile in one building if they were inducing vomiting and uh, <laughs> putting them in ice baths. That's just the way it was, right? The next one for women is douches of Epsom salts and vinegars. Mm. For some reason, this worked. I don't know. Like how much, I, I, I didn't look at the details of this one. This, this stuff is over 100 years old now. So let's just take it at face value and continue. Uh, and like I said, as I heard this from Jerry Marcinski, um, I just bought his book and it looks really, really cool. Um, I'll share that with you guys afterwards. And uh, so I'm waiting to see that because I've heard of I've heard him on podcasts quite a few times now, so probably a good six hours. Uh, and um, he's got something to say. Um, so that's Jerry Marcinski, and he's a, a psychotherapist. Anyway, um, an, an interesting point actually that uh, Jerry had mentioned in the one of the podcasts I was listening to was that suicide rates for psycho uh, for psychiatrists are pretty much the same for their patients. <laughs> that's 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 actually quite shocking when you really look at yeah. it, and then when you also look at the um, the rate of uh, assault on therapists, very high. Mm. It's like sixty five per thousand. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I know from my personal experience with a lot of friends of mine, the reason why they assault their doctors is because their doctor chooses whether they're allowed out in the world, whether they're allowed to put their medicine down or not. And when they go to the doctor and say, hey, doctor, I can't stand this medicine. Please turn it down. You know, I, give me a smaller dose. The doctor might just look at them in the eye and said, no, we're going to raise it and you're going to stay here longer. Mm. And then the people flip out, mm. obviously. Yeah. You know, because it, it's it's just one of these things. Where the, the voices in their head are telling them, don't take the medicine. Don't answer the questions. You're better. Get the hell out of here. Mm. You know, Um so then we moved on to lobotomies. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where I'd say it got taken up a few notches. Now, we talked about this in the past. Uh, actually, we got a couple of little comments and questions. I'll go through them in a second about the, the psychiatrists being the... It says here, the suicide rate for psychiatrists being the same for their patient is because the psychiatrist got into the, uh, the profession because they're <laughs> <laughs> equally as mentally ill as they deem their patients. And I would say there's probably a lot of truth to that. I mean, yeah. most of the... Sounds reasonable. Yeah, uh, even the um, psychotherapists that I know uh, or... or um, guidance counselors, anybody who works in, mm. in that kind of um, um, uh, helping troubled teens, these are usually troubled people to begin with. I, I very rarely see somebody who gets into um, psychology uh, and specifically psychiatrics um, mm -hmm. who aren't already damaged. People. I also wanted to study psychology and, you know, looking back, I think I also know why. <laughs> <laughs> why is that? Came you from a very troubled childhood then right? just to want to figure out what's wrong with me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, Lobotomies. They uh, would stick a needle. Uh, like um, we had some nice pictures of them. Actually, I might be able to pull them up. Uh, we we talked about this in an episode we did a while ago called um, uh, "Unforgotten Side Effects." Mm -hmm. And um, lobotomies. They they take essentially a, a stainless steel rod, and they go above the eye, like still in the eye socket, right above the eyeball. And they push this um, this rod into the prefrontal cortex of the brain mm. and they move it around and then they pull it out. So the idea is that they're really just scrambling the prefrontal cortex of the brain. And um, what's the word for that? The different, like the higher function part of the brain, we call it. You have the lower mm -hmm. function part of the brain, which is like the old reptilian and mm -hmm. bird stuff. And then in the front, the stuff that really makes humans special is really what happens in the prefrontal, um, in the frontal cortex area. Yeah, so you have the mammalian uh, 
area and then I think yeah, the human brain. Yeah, the human right? brain is exactly yeah. that. So the human brain is really that prefrontal cortex area, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And um, so the, the they would just try to, you know, and, and it was a, a huge death rate. Uh, even the people that survived, this guy, Jerry Marcinski, said that he went and actively worked or, you know, met someone who was lobotomized. And he said the best that he can say is that this person just wasn't quite human anymore, mm. right? And I hate to say this so bluntly, but I feel the same about a lot of people who have taken chemotherapy and radiation. There's something about them that's gone. It's mm. not coming back. Mm. And the same thing about people who have been on medication too long. Um, something that I learned was that um, being on antipsychotics for too long will actually shrink that part of the brain. So it's essentially like a light lobotomy is that part of the brain that makes you human gets smaller and and, and ceases to be as active. Mm. So that's a very interesting thing is that, yeah, you're now introduced back into society and you could function. It's like a zombie. <laughs> but yeah, how, how, you know, how much of you did you lose to get there? Mm. Right. Um, now, electroshock therapy was then introduced after lobotomies. I know quite a few people who have had electroshock therapy, mm -hmm. even in the 90s, right? Mm -hmm. It was still ongoing. And I don't, I don't know how prevalent it is today, but I know a few people that have had it like two, three, four times. And uh, electric shock therapy, the way that it's um, done today, they give you a whole bunch of tranquilizers because while they're electrocuting you, the, the, this, this, the muscle spasm and can break your own bones. Mm. Um, and so what they do is they give them a whole crap load of like tranquilizers. They uh, uh, then shock the crap out of them so that they forget everything. Mm -hmm. And um, no, someone told me that she thinks my mic is turned off. No, my mic is not turned off. Everything's going good mic? here. No. So, no, everything's still looking green. No, let's see. Oh, she can still hear me, just not as loud. Oh, I would assume it's on your side then if that's the case because I'm looking at the signs over here and it looks good. Let's hope that everything's still good. Like I said, last week we had a lot of uh, bugs. <laughs> I got to turn this volume down. I think it's like binging every time. Yeah. So there we go. Um, let's move forward. Electric shock, uh, electroshock therapy, the way that it has, I've seen it work with other people, friends of mine, is that they get shocked and they forget everything. Mm. And then as they start to regain their memories, they work through the traumas one at a time. And that's supposed to be the benefit of electroshock. And at the same time, as I mentioned, lobotomies, uh, lobotomies were performed at unbelievable rates. I, I found out here electric shock therapy was used, was done, was performed 3,000 times per year at Central State Hospital in the Ooh, 1950s wow. in the US. That's mm. one hospital. 3,000 electroshock therapies mm -hmm. per year. And the reason was, it, it was like pretty much anybody in the psychotic ward was essentially getting electroshocked. And electroshock therapy, um, the side effects are the same thing. Damage to the certain part of the brain. It's just, it's not coming back, right? Um, but at the same time, yeah, all these electroshocked people are like nice, you know, passive zombies until mm. too many of their memories come back and they feel like uh, acting out again. Then they get shocked again, right? Um, this next one is probably the most fascinating. They started this, I believe, in the 50s and 60s. And this is called insulin shock. What mm -hmm. they would do is they would inject so much insulin into someone that, that all the sugar inside them would burn up and they would go into a coma. Mm -hmm. And uh, what they would do is they would, they, they, they would, they believed that if, there, uh, on average, a rate of, of putting someone into an artificially induced coma due to insulin shock 50 to 60 times in a row. 
mm-hmm. gave them enough break from themselves, very similar to the electroshock shock therapy, that they were then able afterwards to keep the voices suppressed for a while. Mm. And I've heard stories of people getting um, three, two, three hundred uh, comas, days, you know, where they were in mm-hmm. a coma. So, uh, I know it's like one thing after another. And this is all just like I said, the history of how we get to where we are today. Uh, we're not there yet, right? So insulin shock was was a big one. And then they started going into psychology big time. You know, back in the, I think it was the 50s and 60s as well, they started going through this whole blame the mother campaign, mm. right? If there's a child who's psychotic, the mother is to blame for being a shit person. That was the way that it was uh, brought into society for quite some time. And then they moved from blame the mother to blame the genetics, <laughs> right? But it's interesting because it's not... it. it According, as far as I'm concerned, they've never found the schizophrenic gene. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that just kind of quiet down a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, and then after that, we got to now the next level where we are today and haven't left it very easily. And that is um, chemical imbalance theory. Mm. And this is an interesting one because the chemical imbalance theory was originally an offshoot of the dye industry. We're talking about coloring for you guys to see blue jeans. Blue jeans or T-shirts or red whatever. You know, the coloring for for textiles, for carpets, for anything. The people who worked in these factories, um, there was a doctor who I guess was uh, at the time visiting a a factory for whatever reason. Uh, He noticed and said, wow, your workers are very docile. You know, specifically talking about out in in, in India. Your, Your employees are very docile. How do you keep them so calm? I don't know, they just are. They just Mm. come in here and they're cool. And it turns out that the exposure to the chemicals was zombifying these people, Mm. right? It was like being permafried all the time. They're just constantly a little bit high, right? And so they they said there's something to this. And so they ended up using um, the the, the chemicals from the chemical industry in order to synthesize what we know today as the modern-day drugs that are known uh, for um, uh, like Ativan and... um, Paxil and uh, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. These these antipsychotic drugs and, mm-hmm. and uh, anti anxiety drugs and all this kind of stuff comes from there originally. And the original four big antipsychotic drugs that were used were, all came from that industry, and they're very expensive, right? And it's not like they had to pay for the research. I mean, they, they stumbled upon the stuff accidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and so the idea was the theory is is that if you can fix the symptoms of uh, of of voices and psychotic uh, episodes by exposing someone to chemicals, then the issue must be chemical in nature. Mm-hmm. That was the that mm-hmm. was the sales pitch, right? I'm not going to say that's the theory. That's the, th- that's the sales pitch because the, the theory is bogus. It, 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 it very easily bogus, right? In my opinion, because as we just saw a second ago for diagnosing schizophrenics, it's a checklist of bullshit symptoms that have nothing to do with what are your serotonins like? What are the new neurotransmitter? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like what is the what is the map of a brain that has healthy neurotransmitters in contrast to one that's schizophrenic, right? Yeah, like yeah. there there is no baseline, right? There there's no blood work. Like they might do blood work and say, oh, your dopamine and serotonin is a bit fucked up. I think you're depressed. Um, maybe you need to get more. They don't instead of saying maybe get more exercise and fix yourself. Uh, they they just put you immediately on pills and say that you're fucked. Um, I want to segue into a, a story of yours. Going all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to tell the listening audience a little summary about that? Because with you, you were told by the doctor your hormones were shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have issues. You need to go on pills. But mm-hmm. what did you do instead? This is very fascinating. 
Yeah, so I, I talked about this uh, an episode a couple episodes ago about my process yeah. of going all in. So I had a eating disorder, as you want to call it, like that. You know, I just wanted to be. I was not eating enough and over exercising, and she was jumping from diet to diet to diet. Yeah, just losing a lot of weight. Very modern female. True, <laughs> but there's more to that. Um, I don't want to go. She was too afraid much. of the big four O that was around the corner. <laughs> too much, <laughs> too much uh, into detail. But yeah, I mean, my my female hormones were practically not there anymore. I had no estrogen, nothing, no progesterone. And so they wanted to put me onto pills and say, you know, like in order for you to, to get back in a normal cycle, you have to give that stuff to you. And not, not once they looked at me, you know, just seeing that I was severely underweight and that this would be a reason for me to not having female hormones, right? So yeah. Yeah. instead of, of taking their shitty pills, I went home and I started eating and I started to figure out what is the problem, why I'm afraid of gaining weight. So yeah. I really targeted the 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 root cause of my eating disorder and then started eating again. And of course, within two, three months, my period came back. And ever since then, I have a regular cycle. My female hormones are all in check. And um, I am ha- have a good blood work all the time yeah. that I'm testing. And they all were telling you, go on pills, go yeah. on, on, on synthetic hormones. Yeah. Um, like they, they immediately, nobody ever asked you. It's like, no. what's your eating habit like? Are you exercising and moving enough? Yeah. You know, explain yeah. your, your lifestyle to us. Nobody cared. Another thing was I had a, I had big problems with my bladder. I couldn't hold my, you know, like yeah, they, I couldn't hold it in anymore. The, what, the, how many doctors asked, like tried to tell you that it was onset of multiple sclerosis? Many, many doctors. Right? They did like really painful diagnoses where, you know, they kind of shoved in like a, like a thingy in order to measure my, my bladder size and how much I can keep in. It was awful. And for me, you know, I just like, I don't know. This, I don't know what to do anymore. And eventually also this problem got solved just by me sitting down eating proper and not over exercising because what happened when you are starving yourself so much your body starts eating itself and specifically the the protein uh, it's like um it's like an isolation around the nerve cells in Mm -hmm. order to to make the the neuronal um yeah, yeah. Like uh, so pathways un- happening. unlike uh, cables that we use for computers, yeah. where the copper is in the inside and yeah. the rubber is on the outside, in our bodies, you have um, these nerves, and around them you have uh, fatty acids and, yeah, and like, like omega threes and shit it's, like it's that. It's actually like a, it's a cell that kind of really wraps itself around um, mm-hmm. the the neuron, and they're and responsible for transmitting the information. Well, they isolating actually. It's, it's mm-hmm. like they're helping that the signal can jump, you know, from one ah, yeah. one uh, place to the other. And so they they speed up everything. And when you are starving yourself, these cells start to get eaten and you know mm-hmm. just break down because there's a lot of protein in it. Yeah. And then the 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 pathways are just not working properly anymore. And I always felt like that's something wrong with me. You know, I can't control my bladder <laughs> because yeah, yeah. it's just not. You know, it's happening too fast, and I'm. I don't know. So I, I felt like something with my nerves. And once I I was you know I, I had enough food, these connections regenerated and. I don't have this issue anymore. Like it's gone. And yeah. they try to, you know, give me like treatments for, um, yeah, multiple sclerosis and all these uh, things that were in the room. Really... And I was like, oh my goodness, I actually can feel, like, just with the cat, you know, I felt like I can put myself down here. Oh, I know. Like, and this <laughs> is like back even when I was, so when I started realizing that Madeline had issues with her dieting, going diet to diet, I kept, I would say things like, you know, 
eat this egg yellow or eat this potato or mm-hmm. um, eat this 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 extra lump of olive oil that I'm going to throw on there. And she wouldn't. She'd be so afraid of it because there's this idea that fat makes you fat and mm-hmm. all this bullshit and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And I was telling her, you know, like I was trained by Olympic athletes. I fuck it. I, I'll tell you, if you eat more, you'll get healthier. You yeah, know, you can't yeah, starve yourself for extensive periods of time to put yourself under pressure yeah. and expect there not to be a correlation of negative health, right? Yeah. And um, and this is something I, I say to a lot of people who are fat and obese, you know, um, try walking more and moving more and eating more, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and I'm saying this because a lot of the people that I know who are obese and have he- health issues, um, specifically in my industry, right? I work with a lot of IT people. Mm-hmm. What do they do? What's their life? Sitting in front of the computer and sugar crashing, mm-hmm. right? Not eating proper, having no no breakfast. Or something. Oh yeah, when when they need to stop working, what do they do? They just switch programs. Mm-hmm. They 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 turn off all their work programs and open a video game, mm-hmm. right? It's it's it, it, it to unwind, right? Mm-hmm. What do they do to unwind? They play a video game or watch a movie. Mm-hmm. There's there's no reality check, right? And yeah, and no I, time, I, fresh air, movement, and the sugar crashing is a huge thing I've seen with a lot of these IT. People. Mm. That's why they tend to be a bit aggressive with their uh, opinions, <laughs> right? Um, but I tell them, I say, dude, you want to lose weight? You, you know, you got to start moving around and you got to eat more, you know, eat like four or five times a day uh, in, 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 in yeah. closer increments to one another and it'll help you speed up your metabolism, you know? Mm. Don't take, and, 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 Don't eat shit that you can't pronounce. I'm not talking about ketchup and, and potato chips. You know, I'm talking about <laughs> actual food that comes from the earth that yeah. experienced sunshine, <coughs> right? <coughs> so anyway, oh, yeah. I, it, 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 so that was the same thing with Madeline is that when she started getting these diagnostics from all them, I said, listen, I just want you to fucking eat. Mm. Just if, if you can try eating for a while and then get back to me, Uh, you know, and, and tell me that that doesn't help, then we'll take it into consideration, yeah. right? And then she discovered this whole uh, women's group called Going All In, where a lot of women have this issue and it's more of a psychological issue. And they call it Going All In because it's about damning the diet. It's about just mm-hmm. not dieting anymore and learning to just eat and forget about why, mm-hmm. right? Just, just really eat giving to in, live. Giving in right. to every craving you have whenever you feel like you want to eat a specific food, you just eat. There are no yep. rules, um, no f- like food rules and no yep. f- food fears anymore. So now after th- um, yeah, yeah, three years, mm. I feel very, you know, I feel happy, healthy, recovered. <laughs> so here we are yeah. now uh, in today's world. Yeah. We're, we're talking about the chemical imbalance theory. Mm-hmm. And I still can't believe that this is still the go-to with a lot of doctors with a lot of things like with you it was it was uh, there's your your hormone values are off so we're going to give you synthetic hormones mm-hmm. instead of asking the question why are they off you know the f- with females it's like first question should be do you have a steady period no ah right and and, and that, that that's like a one to one thing if mm-hmm. you don't have a steady period it's because your body believes that where you're living is absence mm-hmm. of, of nutrients mm-hmm. and it's shutting down essential services, so to say, in your body in order to continue on. Yeah, yeah. And so for any of you females out there, if you're experiencing this kind of stuff where you just don't have, you know, your period and you don't know why, but, you know, you're you're dieting. Like if you're a vegan, Maddie was a vegetarian for 10 years and lo and behold, throughout that whole 10 years, how many periods did you get? You probably counted on two hands, right? Mm, And this is one of these things where, you you know, everybody's different. So this is why you have to look at your own clock. Fertility is such a huge part Mm -hmm. about the woman uh, physiology. And when fertility goes, it's the first thing that gets shut off when the body believes there's something wrong. One of the first things anyway for a lot of women. So let's continue forth. 
the chemical imbalance theory. We got a couple comments that have just come in. I wanted to go through them real quickly from mm-hmm. Felminator. She is talking to us today via the smart home stupid chat telegram app. And um, well, telegram channel via the smart home stupid people. Um, telegram channel. Anyway. So she said that she uh, absolutely agrees with us. Uh, In her experience, medication was used as a trial and error, caused only harm to herself and others around her. Mm -hmm. Energy healers uh, time and time again have told her that uh, she has a gift that she's not crazy. And this kind of goes back Mm -hmm. to that main essence of this episode is um, if you're experiencing something and people are telling you you're crazy and everybody tells you you're crazy and mm-hmm. you don't know better, you might believe it. Yeah, absolutely. I was right? I was like that too. The same thing with the dieting and all yeah. that. Everybody kept telling you what health means and health mm-hmm. means finding the proper diet and in today's world, you mm-hmm. might as well stop eating meat and uh, exercise all the time and uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, eat no carbs and all that shit. Yeah. Right? It, it's, it's, it's fucking unreal. So the point is, is that like this, this whole, we live in a, a society now where I'm starting to see that restriction is is um, people are trying to fool are, are trying to fool themselves into thinking that restriction equals strength mm-hmm. and, and, and it's and it's not it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 foolish because if you if you yep. don't have the information as to holistically why you're restricting something and why you want to yeah then, then it's meaningless right there's so much so much to it that's really an, an, an own topic you know really also right? feeling like you're uh, you know you have to be able to hold yourself back otherwise you're not worth anything like there's so many layers to it i'm right it's crazy yep yeah yeah so right. uh then she said here as well uh she also thought she had a gift uh within all of us and just some uh are become more sensitive yeah um now this is something that's really interesting so i want to talk about sensitivity amongst races because this is something that i've witnessed a couple times in my life um so I grew up in in um in Canada, right? In uh in, in southern Ontario. And um uh, I noticed as far as people who were being medicated for schizophrenia and so mm-hmm. on and so forth, uh and mental diseases, um often cases were people who were at least half Native American. Hmm. And I noticed it a lot amongst the Irish mm-hmm. blood. I noticed it a lot amongst um um well, to a degree, like, I think it's interesting with Eastern European people, I think a lot of them have what we would call and classify uh, um, issues that mm-hmm. would be today written off mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, psychosis. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of them have a healthy skepticism towards Western medicine that they don't go into it. Mm-hmm. So I found that to be really interesting, though, that uh, the um, Irish and the uh, the Native population are the people that I saw the most from my experience who were um, constantly being medicated. Yeah. And uh, it's, I say this because I can't help but wonder if they are perhaps the two of the many uh, different types of races that exist mixed into the North American continent now that they are two of the more sensitive mm-hmm. sides yeah, of, maybe. Of, of, of people who na- just maybe naturally have an ability to want to connect to a spiritual world. Well, just to, you know, just to see like specifically the Irish very connected with their nature and, and, and have a very strong Celtic uh, heritage. There is a lot of spirituality to it and, and shamanic work or, you know, the, the Indian native, of course, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've always wondered that because like I said, is, you know, um, a lot of native friends, a lot of people and even girlfriends part, part native and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it was really interesting to see that they all like a lot of them in, 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 intuitively had this want to want to question reality. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and this is one of the big problems with a lot of uh, the way that today's conditioning is done, specifically in school. Um, questioning reality is like cancer for school. You just don't do this anymore. Mm. Right? Yeah. Sure. So anyway, so let's go through a couple more comments. Um uh, so Feminator also said that she had a similar insulin treatment with blood pressure medication um, and she doesn't have blood pressure issues. So that's interesting. So they were actually trying to mm. affect the insulin levels and um, affecting her blood pressure in order to uh, change, I guess, maybe voices or psychotic episodes. Um, the point was uh, uh, was dropped. And then what did it say here? The point was the drop to drop it so low so that I don't think or remember I would mm. faint. So that's so keeping you pretty much on a, a borderline, uh, I wouldn't say coma, but, you know, mm-hmm. on your way down to keep you so, down so much. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, Felminator also just said, when addicts tell me that uh, restraint is strength, I tell them moderation is strength. So that's an interesting uh, concept is, yeah, I think that uh, learning how to moderate yourself. Because yeah. I know some people that uh, when they drink, they, they there's no off button. Mm. <laughs> they just go. Mm. They don't have an issue stopping drinking between drinking sessions. They can go for a month without drinking, mm-hmm. but once they have a couple in them, it just doesn't stop until the train crashes. Okay. Right? And and that to me I find to be very interesting why these people have zero ability to moderate. It's either all in or all out, you know, <laughs> this this like let's put our first our, our our toes in first to see how the water is, you know. It doesn't mm-hmm. exist with some people. It's just you know, balls deep. <laughs> so um, I'm going to, we're going to leave uh, Jerry Marcinski now to the side. I find it to be very, very fascinating. Um, and he mentioned it specifically that uh, Paxil um, sh- uh, has now side effects that are, sh- that shrink the higher level parts of the brain, as we were talking mm. about before. I found that to be very interesting. I know people who have been on Paxil and um, it's, uh, it's horrible stuff. It's just zombie, right? Mm-hmm. Zombie, zombie people. Um so this, uh, this we just bought this. This is an amazing journey into the psychotic mind, breaking the spell of the ivory tower. That is um, Jerry's book. Go check it out if you're interested in this topic. I I bought it already, so I'm waiting for it to show up. And uh, I'll keep you guys posted as to whether the book's written well and whether it sucks or not. I think it'll be good. <laughs> so um, we've spoken about voices. We've spoke like I think that was a big thing is for you when 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 you talk to uh, spirits in your um, shamanic journeys. I think that's one of the big questions that people have is how do you hear the voices answering you? <laughs> right? Is it a yeah. voice as loud as your own? That's really hard to describe, to be honest, because um, it's 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 not like you know we talking like this, and I can I can really hear someone talking to me in that way. It's more sometimes like sometimes you get pictures. Feeling, it's more right? like a feeling yeah. where where it is. It's there, and you know, well, that's not coming from me, but it's coming from some someone else. But with the shamanic work, it's you know you are starting very easy, and you get to know the spirits that you're working with and you're talking to. So it's it's really like making friends, right? You start really getting to know um, these spirits who are your compassionate allies, and that's important that you have to find the compassionate allies, the ones that okay. are want to help you, and not the ones that I don't you know want to possess you or something like that. Right. And so you are you are looking for the ones that are yeah your your compassionate allies, and then you can 
what I really like with that work is that there is so much compassionate from these spirits, specifically right. the the spirit animal. It is like like coming home, like finding a part of you that is an animalistic part of you, mm-hmm. like this as is as if your soul is you know incarnated as a as an animal. You experience through your spirit animal how it how it feels like to be an animal, yep. through the merging and all that. So it's a very very it's it's um it's an experience that always makes me so happy just to connect with these spirits because it's something inert within us I think innate innate in us that this is just the way it it goes mm-hmm. you know it's just the way you 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 drive yourself through through this life here by connecting with your helpers from different you know sides like right. you know only having the friends I always see it that way you know you have your friends in the real world. And then you have the friends that you can't see, but they're yet they're still there and yeah. in, 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 a, in a shape that that works for you. Right. So and and that's all it is basically. <laughs> <laughs> so from that level, you know, as I said in the beginning, but have I've you really, have you begun to hear voices? Um, it kind of really merged together with me. Like when I was a kid, I think yeah, I I, I experienced a lot of weird stuff mm-hmm. and. Um, I think even my parents try to, you know, not medicating me, but mm. always, you know, thinking that something's wrong with her daughter. With right. the daughter, I I was taken yeah. out of, uh, I, like I I was put into special classes. I mm. was uh, brought forth uh, to psychologists and psychiatrists um, in order to uh, test me. I went through all these stupid tests, you know, mm. card tests and everything mm. like that. Um, and it's 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 an interesting thing when you know you you know you feel good. But people are telling you you're not right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that always That's bothered me is that mm-hmm. there was no reason other than the fact that I didn't want to partake yeah. in the things that other kids wanted to easily partake. Or I wouldn't even say wanted to. It's more like other kids were more easy um, convinced. Yeah. That doing schoolwork was a good idea. I thought it was a stupid <laughs> idea, so I didn't do it. I was like, you yeah. gotta be kidding me. This is dumb. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah I don't true, I don't need true. this shit. Yeah. Right. And so now these same people that did really well and uh, and stuck at a dead end job for the rest of their lives, how do they think about that now? Are they happy about that? You know, this is an interesting yeah. idea. Even educated people I know, you know, such as yourself, uh, all these years in school mm-hmm. and you end up at a job you don't like. True. What would it like? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The idea oh, of right. trying to uh, uh, inspire people to come up with their ideas to make themselves happy to pursue that, and yeah. to, uh, you know, in a way that's meaningful, right? So uh, on screen, I have here the supernatural diseases episode mm-hmm. cover for today. Mm-hmm. On the top left side, in the background, we have uh, someone playing a drum. Well, that's a that's a that's a hand drum similar to yours upstairs. Ah, in the background, oh, I see yeah, that. Yeah, behind, it's a shamanic drum. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then on the right hand side, we see the the modern world. <laughs> You know, all this this smoke and fire and all that stuff, which is kind of like, you know, the the way that we tend to acknowledge industry today, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Now, on the left side, you have the caduceus. That's what we were talking about before. The single staff with Mm -hmm. two snakes Mm -hmm. running around it with the wings at the top and it's often Mm -hmm. like an orb at the top. On the right-hand side, you have the rod of Asclepius. Mm -hmm. And uh, do do you have your notes? Around you, uh, I, I try it by heart. If I, uh, if You're I go by heart, all right, yeah, all right. Actually, let's see, yeah. let's see how much you got inside you. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> if the, not, the, we have the. I have to look at uh, the rod yeah, of Asclepius, uh, also known as the rod of or the staff of uh, Aaron. We're going to get into that. Yeah, that's very important. Um, so let's start off, Maddie. What is uh, what is the Caduceus and yeah. the rod of Asclepius, and why are these two symbols so often used in the medical profession? Yeah. 
before, actually, before you go into it, uh, yeah, I know. I, uh, one thing I would like to talk about is how often they're used in, in what fields. Okay. Madeline had never often seen the caduceus, that's the two snakes with the single rod used over here in Europe mm-hmm. that much. The single staff with the snake around it, you see it everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Even in veterinarian medicine. Mm-hmm. Every veterinarian that we went to, it's a big V, like V for victory, with the <laughs> rod of Asclepius <laughs> over top of it. That's the typical sign over here for veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Um but it's interesting to note that uh, in North America, the caduceus is often used in corporate um, mm-hmm. medical imagery. Uh, so I, yeah. have, I have the statistics that I had <clears throat> taken from, I don't even remember anymore. So you guys are just going to have to take this at face value and go and check it out yourself if you question any of it. Uh, so please go check it out for yourself. In the U.S., 60% of practitioners use the rod of Asclepius and 72% um, so it, it, in in the in the um, we're talking about private medical practitioners, mm-hmm. walking clinics, mm-hmm. uh, family mm-hmm. doctors, these kind of things. Sixty percent of them use the rod of Asclepius, and forty percent use the caduceus. Um, whereas in the corporate world, we're talking about medical med- medications and and big buildings and, and and big pharma. They tend to use the caduceus seventy two percent of the time. Mm. Right. So and, yeah. and, and, right and and uh, uh, this is more the symbol of commerce and and so on and so forth. So let's yeah. go into it. Yeah, just don't want to say don't jump too far. Uh, yeah, it's actually funny because if you know the origin of that sign, the caduceus, it has nothing to do actually with uh, medicine. <laughs> the opposite. So the 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 idea, or you know, what you can read about is that the Greek god. Mm, Actually, it does have to do with medicine, Hermes. but I'll, I'll tell yeah, you about it. A, Why? A is that something I discovered? Ah, okay, so the the name Hermes, you might have heard about it. He mm-hmm. is a Greek, like the Greek name for a god. It's also called Mercury in the, re, in the uh, Roman Roman religion. Roman religion, and he's the god of communication, but also representatives of you know like the the thieves and the commerce and like he's um, essentially like Loki in Norse yeah, mythology. Yeah, like in, Like Hermes and Loki are very one to one. And so the story goes that you know he went his way, and then he saw two snakes. Kind of fighting and then he had a rope and he threw the rope amongst these snakes and they started like growing around them and tangling themselves mm-hmm. around the rope and so that kind of became his sign and I guess the wings that you see on top the Hermes he is um, messenger yeah the messenger and he had shoes that had these little wings so mm-hmm. all that <laughs> all that probably that has to do with it but again it was not really it has not really a lot to do with medicine um, except maybe because Hermes he was he was having, I don't know if he has an affair, but at least, you know, he was dating <laughs> Hygiena. And Hygiena was the daughter of the Greek god um, uh, Asclepius. Yep, Asclepius' daughter. Or Paracels? Yeah, Asclepius, right. Yep. Yeah, and so Asclepius, he's actually the one that you would, you know, bring into yeah. context with medicine. And that's why you have the rod of Asclepius where you have that rod and one single snake. So not two snakes, but one single mm-hmm. snake wrapping around them. And this and is a might... picture of Hermes I just put up on screen so you guys can see. Oh, yeah. I believe this is from the Vatican. I could be oh, mistaken. Yeah. 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 But then, you know, you would you would think why why the, the rod and why the, the snake around or like a stick or, you know, around a snake. For, I'm more qu- like the big thing that, that comes sign. to me before that is that hat that he's wearing. What is that? It's like he's just wearing a bowl <laughs> like on a his helmet. head. Yeah, it looks like a World War yeah. One helmet. But we're not, not with Hermes anymore. Now we're with the rod of Asclepius. Now we're going to Asclepius. Yeah. Okay. So again, he was the god for uh, health and, you know, so that, that makes sense. And the... Uh, also the, another Roman, uh, another Greek god. Yeah. 
then the snake as a symbol is there has you know different discussions why it's a snake on one hand the snake is very dual in nature it's it's regenerating it's shedding its skin yeah. so there's about- Asclepius as well I yeah. don't know where the statue is um actually this mm. I believe is in Germany I have to go take a look oh, at that maybe, again yeah. yeah yeah I think I remember this is actually yeah. on one of the um, buildings around here yeah anyway so yeah also the snake as a sign of regeneration also you know very contradicting like life and death mm-hmm. dark, dark and, and and light and also the the poison of a snake you know it can be dangerous can be deadly but it also can mm-hmm. be used for healing in in the, in the doses so mm-hmm. the dose is always the thing and there's actually some some diseases called dracu, draculensis, something like yeah, it's the, a, the, the guinea worm. Where you had the worms under your skin, yeah. Yeah, where, you know, it's a, that's actually one disease you would be able to cure with a stick <laughs> because you, you would just kind of twist around the, the you know, you, you attach the worm mm-hmm. to a little thread and then you, you turn around the stick until you kind of really pull that thing out. So that's the idea of how 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 these symbols come together. And you yep. would ask yourself, okay, why then, you know, the caduceus has nothing really to do with, with medicine. Why are they using that for medicine? Either it was just mixed up. That was mm-hmm. one assumption. You know, they're just like, oh, it looks a little similar. So we'll just mix that up. Um, or maybe just also because of the the snakes are in the in the in the picture. As I said, you know, again, snakes in the medicine have a big a big or play a big role as you use yeah. the, the the their poison for healing, for example, or just yeah. the, the symbol symbolic character they have. Right. And yeah. Well, so. um, I wanted to before we go any further with this. Now, you guys may ask yourself right now, why are we looking into these two symbols? Why is this so mm-hmm. important? Now. Um, I was watching again, uh, uh, Freeman had this uh, episode called uh, Illuminati Corporate Logos. Go check it out on Rockfin uh, mm-hmm. under Freeman TV. And um, it's it's unreal because he had been doing this now for 30 years or something, at mm. least 20 officially. And um, what he did was, is, and I, I remember growing up with hearing a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, growing up in the church as a Catholic, it was very creepy to me to see that even um, the Pope... Uh, no, the bishops and the cardinals often had staffs with snakes on them and stuff. It was, it was something out of a satanic mm-hmm. Bible, right? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was creepy. And I always wondered, I always asked myself, I asked my mom and, and whoever was around, what's with all this like god-awful imagery? You know, mm. how, why is, why is this tied into this like spiritual thing that we're doing? You know, why is, why, like, have you guys ever seen the Vatican? Like it's, it looks like a nightmare, right? It's, it's not, it's not pretty and it's not cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- something I started looking into is um, really why is it that the corporate world is so uh, you know tied up with these images and and, and uh, Freeman had dedicated a lot a big portion of his life to try and discover the relationship he was more interested in the Masonic mm-hmm. relationship to the corporate logos because he was you could go around and see almost every logo out there has some type of affiliation with the Masonic logo now. For a lot of you guys out there who aren't familiar with why that's important, why okay, so Masonics, they, 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 we're talking about this this crazy little group of uh, of people who tend to wear aprons and bow at altars and stuff like that, you know. Um, but when you really start to look at the core of their beliefs, you know, most Masons have no idea what the religion's about. Just like most, and, and yeah, it is a religion, right? Most Catholics have no idea what their religion about is about you know they just take a couple uh, points of 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 uh, 
guidance from their, I'd say, more of the cultural church, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But they don't know what the stuff is about, where it comes from. They don't mm -hmm. even know what language it was originally written in. You know, most people have no idea that the Bible, the, the Christian Bible was written in Greek, you know? That, yeah, yeah. And it was written hundreds of years afterwards. And it was a composition of, of many, many books, and many of them were left out. And uh, so the other thing, too, is that a lot of the stories and a lot of the symbols that were used in the Catholic and in the entire Judeo-Christian faith were borrowed symbols, often from Egypt and and um, Samaria, right? Mm -hmm. And this is where it's now interesting because um, I want to talk about uh, Egypt for a second here. Um, there's a guy who's called Thoth. And Thoth is actually really interesting now because I'm talking when I when I start looking into this, this is why I, I I have to bring this up with the with the Masonic relationship. Is like it's very easy to say that most presidents were Masons. It's very easy to say that a lot of Masons join uh, the Brotherhood in order to get a foot up in the uh, in the ladder. You know, uh, whether they're in military or they're in uh, politics. Mm -hmm. um, but Thoth is like. When we talk about the 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 father of what we would today call almost Satanism, we're talking about Aleister Crowley. Aleister Crowley wrote the book of Thoth uh, and, and, and his Thoth deck, right? The tarot card edition from Aleister Crowley is called the deck of Thoth, right? And so the there is this huge worship and acknowledgement of Thoth in the in 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 um, the uh, the Ordo Temper Orientis right uh, the Golden Dawn uh, so the whole Coleanity uh, idea and in Masonry in itself and it's interesting because a couple of things I found out about that is that Thoth is not actually a god not mm -hmm. like Osiris and uh, Isis right mm -hmm. Thoth is kind of like Merlin hmm. actually I would I would say that Thoth is Merlin or Merlin is Thoth right and uh, so the stories of Atlantis and um, What's the uh, Irish version of Atlantis? Forget about the name. Okay, it'll come back to me. Um, that um, Merlin was a guy who just had unbelievable powers. Like he 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 understood writing and reading and mathematics and mm -hmm. astrology, astronomy, everything. Right, alchemy, um, and uh, he was able to help convince and help the gods in, in making decisions. And often when gods would have feuds between them, he would be kind of like the judge, the intermediary. Okay. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and Thoth was very much the same. So Thoth was often portrayed as um, a weird bird thing, right? Um, I'm going to show you guys a little picture. This is a bit of a cartoony picture that I have here. And so this is interesting about like a couple of facts about Thoth. Just want to read through a couple of them, right? And I say this because it turns out that when you look into Thoth and you look into his relationships with snakes, actually um, the Romans say, or, or the Greeks say specifically, that they built Hermes off of Thoth. Hmm. Hermes is Thoth, to the point where they actually called him Thoth Hermes. Or, uh, or they had another name, which was Hermes Try Something. And I think it's in this list here. I can go through it in a second. And the reason why is they said that, uh, here, Hermes uh, Trismegistus, uh, Megis, Megistus. And it was another name for Hermes Thoth. And it, so what's interesting about that is that Hermes is Thoth. Mm -hmm. According to the Greeks, it is Thoth. They just, that's the, the Greek name. Her, um, Thoth's real name was Du-something. Uh, I have to find that out in a second. I'll get back to that in a second. Here, Duty was his name, or Duty, right? Is uh, Thoth's real name in Egypt. Um, so calling him Thoth was actually something that was done by the West. It wasn't actually the name uh, that they gave him. And um, here are a couple really interesting things about Thoth. 
just because I want to talk about the influence he has had not only on the satanic side uh, or the or the, the the black magic side of magical rituals and magicians mm-hmm. uh, amongst uh, orders such as the OTO and the Golden Dawn, but let's look at the influence that that even the Egyptians and the Greeks and the Romans believed that Thoth and Thoth Hermes actually, or Hermes Thoth, gave to the world. It's interesting, they called him the, that uh, name with the uh, Trismegius, which kind of translates to the Thoth of three people or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the reason what makes him very fascinating is that he's his own father and his own son. Mm. So he creates himself. Oh, yeah. So he is so powerful in creating stuff. He's not a god, but he's just so in- intellectually divine that this maybe goes into that idea of of um, of Kabbalistic, uh, um, you know, um, um, science that, or like, even even in 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 the idea of magic, uh, that ten is the number of God and eleven is the number that surpasses him, right? So when you talk about the Kabbalistic tree of life and you have the different trees, um, you go through one to ten, and when you get to ten, it starts over again and goes one to ten and starts over again, but skipping 10 going from 9 to 11 is the idea of skipping god and that's kind of what thoth to me symbolizes thoth symbolizes this ability to create himself this is the like thoth was was uh, uh not only responsible for language and for writing uh, he was also responsible for mathematics and for all the science in the egyptian world so really a lot of everything behind the gods is a test is a is accredited to thoth right all the science for building everything mm. So uh, really, when you when you go into it and you now compare Thoth to today's world, and we're talking about Big Pharma, well, Thoth was Big Pharma, right? Mm-hmm. He is the symbol of Big Pharma. He's the symbol of saying, we don't need God anymore. We can create whatever we want when we want, mm. right? That's mm-hmm. the idea of Thoth. Thoth was also uh, somebody who helped uh, bring people to uh, cross over to the underworld. You know, just like uh, um, Loki, just like, well, Loki had his ties into the underworld, mm-hmm. um, but just like Hermes. Hermes also was accredited for doing that, and so was Mercury, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, so let's just go through a couple little things here, because now all of a sudden, when you start looking at symbols, I say this because the Caduceus <clears throat> is now directly related to Thoth, since the Caduceus is the symbol of Hermes. And when you look into the Egyptian version of Thoth and his snakes— it, he has two rods together with two snakes on it, and and the, and, and wings and hats of the Nile, and uh, he's often portrayed with this huge glowing aura mm. behind him. So when you look at that that ball with the the crescent moon underneath it, that, that that's pretty much uh, you know relevant to when you're looking at the Egyptian um, uh, portrayal of Thoth, right? So. Uh, Thoth was many things. Uh, he had various animal portrayals. He actually was known as either an ibis and or a baboon. I've never actually seen him portrayed as a baboon, but uh, there are lots of paintings in uh, Egypt of him as an ibis. He he added five days to the year. Now, this is really interesting because I know a lot of people who ask that question. Why do we have 360 days? Hmm. You know, the, nature seems to be divided up pretty clearly. What's with this 365 days thing? The idea was, and this is very fascinating, Thoth added the last five days onto the year so that um, Osiris and Isis can give birth to their children who were who were not ready to be born yet and they wanted them to be born on that year. So mm. Thoth extended the year by five days in order to make way for their children, Nefertiti, Set, Her, and Ur, Horus, and so on and so forth. Mm. Uh, and 
what's interesting about this, now when you talk about Jesus Christ, and you and people often say, Jesus is Horus. Jesus is, for all intents and purposes, every symbol that Horus was, that's what Jesus is, right? Jesus was the son, right? Similar to how, like, Thoth can also be his own son, you know? Uh, and, and uh, you know, he was a part of the heavenly fathers. Thoth is his own father, right? Uh, so Thoth is an interesting character because he's also got this whole antichrist thing going on as well, right? But with Christ, Christ being born when? November 25th, right? Uh, right before the last five days of the year. So mm-hmm. I always find that to be interesting that they decide to put his birthday on to that day right before the Egyptian gods are born. Okay. So it's it's but it's right around the same era and the same time at the end of the year, right? So it just to me that's just a funny thing that I read and it just it just triggered that to me, you know, like uh, that 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 end of the year it's it's uh, that three hundred sixty five day thing has always been uh, something I've heard people ask many times over is that uh, it's interesting that that it happened that way, right? Um, and I did actually some mathematic calculations a while ago as to how many millions of years ago it would have had to have been. I forgot the number. I'll have to get it back for next time. Uh, how long ago it was, according to modern day understanding of our Earth's rotation, that we actually had 360 days and not 365 days. And I think I brought it back to like the time of the dinosaurs, right? Some 360 million years ago or some shit like that. I have to look at it again. But anyway... Um, Thoth had uh, different wives uh, and consorts. Uh, his cult was um, Hermopolis, and he was considered by um, Hellenistic rulers as an aspect of Greek Hermes, uh, right? A lot of people mentioned that. Uh, I was talking about that a second ago. Um, let's keep going and find some a couple important parts, then I want to go into the next part. This one's really interesting. Hermes, uh, another name as Hermes Thoth, was often associated with the Hebrew Jewish figure Moses. Mm-hmm. Now, this is inter- This is important now for the Rod of Asclepius. The Rod of Asclepius, as I mentioned before, is also called as the Staff of Aaron. Mm-hmm. In the in the First Testament, when we're talking about Exodus, I know this isn't something that you grew up with, <laughs> so it's probably horribly boring for you. But the Rod. But what's important to me is to understand why are these symbols so prolific today. Okay. And here's the here's the big thing, right? When we're talking about um, Thoth was his own father, right? Occasionally, Thoth uh, he's uh, um, he's Set and Horus's son as well. Like it, all these weird things coming into place, and yet the symbol for Thoth is used in the corporate world so readily mm-hmm. for anything medical, right? Uh, and and and, from, and even with Hermes as information and so on and so forth. Um, Before I go on any further, um, there's something called monotheism. I'm sure a lot of you out there have heard of it, right? Monotheism is the idea that you um, worship one god. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not quite a complete description accurately of monotheism because you have two versions of monotheism. You have henotheism and you have monotheism. They both mean the same thing. Right, um, and according to the definitions that I have pulled up for today, um, henotheism is the worship of one primary god. Means that you still acknowledge there are other gods, but you choose to only worship one. Right, that's henotheism. Other gods may worship what they will, live and let live philosophy. Mm-hmm. Monotheism is destroy, erase, improve. That's their theory. It's their is only one God and all others shall be destroyed because there's only one true God. That's the difference between monotheism and henotheism. Now, in monotheism, who is responsible for being 
the first big monotheist. A lot of people say it's Moses. Okay. Um, a lot of people say it's Akhenaten. A lot of people say, this is where it gets confusing. Moses is Akhenaten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm really out of that whole right? thing now. <laughs> I know, I know. But it's it important so... to, to, to look at these symbols now. Because when you're asking yourself, you know, a lot of people have even said Thoth was Moses. I, like I, a lot of people, so it's the idea of, okay, well, why is it that Thoth and Moses and Hermes and Mercury and Akhenaten, why are these people, their images being, a lot of people even said Akhenaten's brother Thothmosis was Moses because mm-hmm. of the, you know, phonetic similarities, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that Akhenaten was the first monotheistic um, pharaoh. He decided to get rid of of all the gods, such mm-hmm. as Thoth and mm-hmm. uh, Osiris, and no more worshiping these people. Okay. Now we only have one god, and he called his god the Atem, right? Um, and what's very interesting about Moses now is that when he went to Egypt to say, let my people go, um, he came there with his uh, brother Aaron, and uh, they said, well, if you if you have a god who is so prolific show us that your god is powerful Mm. and um aaron threw his staff down onto the floor and his staff turned into a snake Mm. and then um the egyptian magicians the the egyptian uh, the egyptians were like oh well your magic isn't as strong as my magic so they got they they went and got two of their best uh, uh priests you know magi at the time they came in with their staffs and they threw them down and then they had a nice funky little staff war but Aaron's staff turned into a snake, as I mentioned, and ate the other snakes mm. that were the staffs of the other magicians. Mm-hmm. And so that was the symbol of monotheism taking over. When I, I remember when I first heard this story in the church and I asked them, why are you telling us this? Yeah. Right? What is this? What the, what's the meaning behind that? And the way they told it to me in the church is they said exactly the symbol of Aaron's staff is the symbol of monotheism destroying the pagan gods. Mm. This now comes full circle as to why we today put algis, which is the um, the symbol you guys see in the front and center of this artwork today. This is a north symbol mm-hmm. that represents protection and safe passage. And this mm-hmm. symbol was used for medicine throughout Germany and Scandinavia mm-hmm. and all over the world alike many years over. And that's why I say that this is the pagan version of it. Yeah. And when I heard that from my experience that the rod of Asclepius, or what other people often call as the staff of Aaron, is the symbol of monotheism destroying paganism. Mm. Now we come back full circle today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rod of Asclepius is interesting to me because it seems that the rod of Asclepius and the um, and the Caduceus they both have similar origins in the sense that they're both they both trace back to Thoth. Mm-hmm. Both of them for different reasons, right? Okay, yeah. And that's what's very interesting is you often see Thoth, uh, and, and the other one was uh, with Asclepius himself. He ended up uh, curing a snake, and the snake that wrapped around his snap mm-hmm. is kind of like his buddy that just hangs out with him all the time. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, but again, all of them tend to go back to Thoth from what I understand, right? And 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 and, and we even saw some, relation, uh, some relations to old Sumerian deities and so on and so forth. So it, it really, it, it goes back there. And so, you know, now we're back into modern age and we're thinking to ourselves, why do we have ancient Egyptian stuff all over the place still? We live close to Berlin. All you got to do is drive down any big city in North America and I'm sure you'll see the same things. Mm. You'll see obelisks. You'll see towers in shapes of gateways. You'll see arches. You'll see corporate logos that represent Egyptian 
dynasties mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. ancient uh, magic symbols, right? And then all these symbols are being used to what? To sell us cars, to sell us computers, to sell us mm. clothing and, and, and cereal boxes and, mm -hmm. and medicine. Like, why is it like that? And that's that's this this this, this why is just this ongoing why. You know, the more you look into it, the more you end up with two major schools of thought. One is there are people at the top who know damn why, damn well why, right? Mm. Or it was just like broken telephone. You know, they didn't get the message at the end of the line <laughs> that we don't need this shit, Maybe, but yet yeah. it's still being delivered. Yeah, you yeah. know. So the idea of the Rod of Asclepius actually being a symbol of overthrowing paganism is very fascinating because now we're looking at the medical industry overthrowing natural medicine, mm. overthrowing spirituality, mm -hmm. overthrowing supernatural ability alike. Mm -hmm. That to me is why this symbol. Mm. After all the research that I've done, the reason why these two symbols cross over is because they have a similar origin. The reason why they're used in order to uh, combat paganism is because paganism is also a symbol or a word that we often use today to relate to shamanic practices. Yeah, absolutely. It yeah. is a natural religion that grew with the spirit of man yeah. and depicts a lot of spirituality, mm -hmm. natural spirituality. And the symbol of Asclepius's rod or Aaron's staff is exactly that symbol mm. that tells you on the label, every time you now go into a store and mm -hmm. you see this label on the side of a truck, you know that what they're about, that what this symbol is, the energetic field of this symbol, what this symbol is constantly pushing over through thousands and thousands of years mm -hmm. is this idea that monotheism will overthrow all the other gods mm -hmm. and it's time for them to die. It's time for their beliefs to die and it's time for the people who believe in such things also to die. Hmm. I think that's a funny way to end this story. Yeah. Right? So I bet you didn't think I was going to go that way. I, I was hoping there's something, <laughs> you know, a little that will make positive. sense at the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like to ramble sometimes about things and try to bring it into no, a full no, picture. I think I did an okay job yeah. about it today. There's one more thing about the uh, symbol I would like to talk about, actually, is um, the Algist symbol. If you put a circle around it and throw it upside down, what is it? The peace, right? It's the peace sign of yeah. the hippies. Do you know what it means when it's upside down like that? The opposite, right? It Is means it fucking bad stuff. Yeah. And it's interesting when you now look at the hippie, uh, the origin of the hippie movement and where that came from, mm. right? It wasn't a natural movement. Let me just put it that way, right? There are reasons why it was put okay. forth the way it was. These are these are operations. They're not really movements. So maybe that's, next time then. <laughs> that's how I feel about it. Maybe next time. But yeah. uh, I just want you guys to hear that, that, uh, that that's, that's the way that is. And before we close down, I want to show you guys a couple other funky pictures um, up that I learned about the area that we live in. So as I mentioned, the symbol for health is often uh, in, in some cultures, the algas um, rune. Oh, someone's calling me. I'm going to turn that down. There we go. This is a live stream. <laughs> there we go. Um, so here we go. Let's share the screen now. This A. Maddie, what is this A? Most Americans will see this big letter A and have no idea what it means. Well, what it's for, for in Germany, it's the symbol for apothecary. Exactly. The apothecary. That's a word that we still use over here, the, uh, the apotheke. Mm -hmm. And uh, the apothecary is the older word for pharmacy. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's it. Nothing nothing more complicated than that. But look at the symbol inside of it. This was the symbol during the Nazi era of mm -hmm. 
the apothecary symbol. And they put the pagan symbol of healing and safe passage into the apothecary symbol itself. What do you think it turned into once the 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 the, the Nazis were dismantled? Hmm. Well, the rod of Asclepius. It turned oh, into, yeah, into the snake with the, the snake. So explain to us, Maddie, why is there a snake drinking out of a child? What's what's <laughs> what's his deal? And why is that on the symbol of health over here? Like th- this is the yeah, symbol for pharmacy over here. I think it has to do. Um, let me think. I researched that a week ago. I know. That's why I'm challenging <laughs> Wasn't that you the, now. Because that was the bowl of Hygiena. There you go. It's another uh, Hygiena, Greek. Well, she was the the, the daughter of um, Asclepius. Asclepius, as a Greek, exactly. Um, and she was a medicine woman. Yeah, so, you know, like she had a bowl, I think, giving milk or something or mm-hmm. something to drink to the snake and that's how it ended up. There you so go. So there's two symbols, like the snake and the symbol actually for hygiene. Hygiene already says, you know, hygiene, hygiene. Yeah. Had something to yeah. do with healing. And Thoth, same thing. He's, he's taming snakes, you know. I mean, like mm-hmm. he, he, it, it, it I, I, I want to look into the chalice about that origin, but I mean, the chalice has so many origins. Uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if that symbol also um, equally ties back to Thoth and something important in the Egyptian dynasty as well. Mm. It's just amazing to see that this is today still the symbol that is used in Germany for um, the apothecary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, today, yeah, it's true. right. Everywhere you buy your medicine, and that's the symbol on the bottle, right? Um, I got a couple more. I'm going to share with you guys, and then we're going to close for today. Uh, here's another one. This one is uh, same shit, different pile, as I like to say. This is again the apothecary symbol, mm-hmm. um, in, in a different resolution, obviously, and on a shield. So um, you know, again, this is stuff that we still see once in a while today here. It's just not very common. It's only on display as something to be remembered and to be forgotten. Um, this next part is uh, one of my favorites, actually. Because now when we're asking ourselves, why, 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 why um, do corporate organizations use certain symbols and what are they up to? So... Let's see. I wish uh, I wish we can do something like a show of hands over here because that would be uh, quite funny to know. What is this? Do you know what this is, Maddie? Uh, what is this flag? Yeah, I was at uh, UNICEF, right? What this is the United Nations flag. Yeah. 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 So the United Nations flag is essentially uh, what a lot of flat earthers like to use today is the flat earth globe model. Mm. <laughs> it's there's a special there's a specific word for it. I can't remember what it's called when you put the earth on this picture. Uh, but it's essentially a sphere where you can see all the continents where the north pole is in the center and the south pole is the perimeter all the way around. And it's got uh, what are these Roman uh, um I forget what they're called. Yeah, these are uh, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I know the German word, but I don't remember what it is in English. Uh, the the crown that the the um, the the Romans and the Greeks wore, Romans, I mean, mm. right? Yeah, that the Romans wore um, around the United Nations um, globe, right? But now, when you go up the ladder, so like I said, this is United Nations. You go up the ladder. What do you guys think of it? When I say that that's the symbol of the World Health Organization, it's the exact same symbol mm-hmm. as the United Nations with the rod of Asclepius. Mm-hmm. What is that telling us? It's telling us, that, like I mentioned, according to what I just kind of learned through looking at the origins of the rod of Asclepius being tied directly to Moses's brother throwing down the staff uh, to challenge the Egyptian gods and the pagan gods. This, to me, tells me that what they're up to is um, overthrowing the world with one god the god of the staff, right? The god of, 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 of whoever is in charge of this, this snake rod, right? So 
that's that idea is that they're not open to other ideas. And I think that speaks a lot of truth. Hmm. You know, just yeah. from what we've seen in the last couple of years with the WHO, um, they're a monotheistic cult. And they have no interest in any other ideas other than the ones that they're going to be putting forward. Mm. Very similar. And this is why when people come forth with uh, spiritual ideas, it's not accepted. Because those spirits, those spiritual ideas do not correspond with the monotheistic view that they're trying to put forward, whatever their God is, whether it be themselves or not. So there we go. Is that is that it? I think I have uh, one more. Uh, there is one more story. We're going to bring it uh, back for an, uh, for another day. Um, I think it'll actually fit in nicely into next show. We've been going for two hours today. How do you feel about that? You look a little <laughs> tired after dealing with cats all day today. Yeah, yeah I'm, the cat I'm, is lying in I'm front of us. We're going to take actually. her outside and empty her bladder, as we had previously mentioned. So, yeah, let's wrap this up. And as we wrap it up, this is the symbol they use for veterinarian medicine mm -hmm. over here. It's scary. It's a scary looking thing. It's a big red, blood red circle with a V on it. Or mm. you see it backwards. You see a, um, a, a white background with a blood red V, like V for victory, as I mentioned, with the, with the snake and a rod or a, or a pole or a staff. It's freaky. I, mean, I, I hate to say it, but it, this is freaky as hell. You know, if you're getting into a, a I've heard people call them the steel panthers. You know, the, if, if you're getting into um an ambulance and mm. this is the picture on the door as they close it mm. doesn't make me feel good mm. doesn't make me feel good at all and it, and when we talk about like I mentioned before with the Icelandic and the Norse that there's a strong belief that symbols hold power yeah yeah let's look at the symbol on your neck Manny on my neck yeah there's a necklace that I had purchased. Oh, that one. Yeah, I know you guys might be able <laughs> to see it. You can't see that. I'm, I'm sure. Let me zoom in. No, it's actually very, very, very similar to this yeah. symbol. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because what is this symbol? It's the same thing. It's the rod of Asclepius over top of a pagan symbol. Mm. These are a, a couple runes that have been thrown together to mean power and strength. Mm -hmm. And so what they've done is they've thrown monotheism over top of power and strength and use this as a, a symbol for medical healing. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Tying in th things left, right, and center over here. Mm. So let's uh, let's wrap it up. Do you have a nice little lovely message that you'd like to share <laughs> to the world for today? <laughs> I think mine is pretty clear, and, uh, and I think I'm done with it. Yeah, I think I don't have really anything to add here. <laughs> All right. For those of you guys out there who uh, enjoyed this episode, say hi. Join the Smart Home Stupid People chat um, and the Smart Home Stupid People channel that we have on Telegram. As I mentioned before, we were live. Rockfin, Telegram, Twitch, and DLive. On Twitch and DLive, we are known as smart home slow people. They don't like stupid people over there, so <laughs> they've filtered that out. Uh, we're also live in audio form on Podbean. We're going to try next time, now that our feet is stable again and not kicking us off, we're going to try next time we found a new platform called Kick that we're mm. going to be streaming to and perhaps even on Rumble again as well now that they're open to allow people to stream there without having to pay for it. That was one of the reasons we stopped. We just didn't feel the need to have to pay as content creators. It's a bit of a, you know, slap in the face. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah, I think the, to sum this episode up with um, supernatural disease, think about it. Mm. Whenever you go out, I ask myself all the time, whenever I go to a doctor, if I ever have to, they, typically I only go to a doctor if I have something physically really broken, like my shoulder and my ankle last year. Um, and I, and Maddie, you could ask Maddie, how many doctors did I go to? Mm. 
seven a lot <laughs> and and, she, and, and it drove her nuts right because every time i walk in there i'd look at the guy and say he is a fucking slob i'm not talking to him mm. and i walk out all right i just i you know that's it if 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 the guy who's there responsible for my health is not a symbol of health i leave mm. it's that simple it's mm. that easy and then when i start talking to him and he's kind of cunty and he's you know got bullshit to tell me i leave uh, same thing you know it's uh, so i'm just saying that there's a lot of power out there. There's a lot of magic. And I believe that humanity in its essence has a very strong ability to be good and to be powerful. Yeah. So sure. if we're constantly being told by these monotheists that we are tiny and we are small and we are mm. nothing yeah. and that uh, our gods don't exist, whatever they may be, and the spirits of the essence of whatever God and whatever essence mm. that we are connecting to can't exist. And if we try to talk to them, we will be confined to small quarters and medicated. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I say, you know what? Look into the look into the people who are telling you this. Telling you this. You know, look into their history as I did a, a minute ago with uh, the origins of uh, of of mental health care, right? Mm. This is none of it's good. Right, trying to focus on making people integrate in mass society to me is not health. Yeah. Right. It's it never will be because I think that um, when you look at people as a large, large group and say you need to fit into it somewhere, the first thing that's going to happen is the destruction of the self. Mm. All right. So yeah, due diligence. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I really did. <laughs> Anything else, Betty? No, I think I also learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. This this was a rabbit hole for me, and I'm going to be going mm. down it deeper and deeper again. I was actually very, very um, surprised to find the origin mm. leading back to Thoth, specifically how Thoth has this um, relationship to uh, Satanism as we know it today. Mm. You know, it's and to see that this satanic symbol, as I can now actually practically say, is everywhere, telling us that uh, over top of our health. Mm. And uh, what power do these symbols have over us when they're emanating their energy that's passed down through the millennia mm. over top of us when we're trying to heal? Yeah. When we accept question. it as a healer, I think that's the first step that we need to understand is that whenever you give yourself over, you're doing it of your own free will. Yeah. And that's true magic. It's it's um, you can't force anybody, but if they for, if they come to you and 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 um, submit themselves to you. Of course, you can. Then, then you have mm -hmm. the ability to pretty much force anything you want onto them. So, yeah, I believe in that uh, very strongly. The idea of sovereign being, of of being able to communicate with the universe the way that I see fit. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, growing the way that I'd like to grow. Yeah. So, yeah. That being said, let's bring this episode. Season 2, Episode 15, Supernatural Disease, to a close. I hope you guys enjoyed this. We will see you next week. Same time, Sunday. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.